Coming up next on Two Cops, One Donut. Police Post is an Instagram page with half a million followers. Um, they like to uh, comment on every single uh, hot call, like shooting, and give uh, what they would have done better. Uh, oh, they the Monday morning quarterback? This yeah, shit? they essentially shit on the cop who is in a situation that no person will ever be in in their life. Uh, this cop never thought, and, and I'm talking to every cop that's in a, an active shooter scenario. No cop ever, th- dude, that's never going to happen to me until it does. And you're judged on your actions. And none of these cops did anything cowardice. None of these cops did anything wrong. But you got these guys out here that sell services that go, what's Monday morning quarterback, this cop that just saved lives uh, for being out of breath. All right, welcome back. Uh, Two Cops, One Donut. I am your host, Eric Levine, and today I have with me a deputy sheriff out of Florida, Mr. Tyler. We're going to keep names as um, discreet as we can on this one, because like me, he can very much, he's still on the job, and he can be fired and all that good stuff, so we're going to keep it uh, very chill today. But how you doing, Tyler? Good, man. How are you? Living the dream, sir. Um if you guys don't know Tyler, first and foremost, he is also a podcaster, and that's how we got linked up. We're in that podcast family world, especially for first responders, and his is the Antihero Podcast, which is, a, I like the name. It's probably one of my favorite podcast names. Um, there's some dumb ones out there, and I would tell you if I thought it was dumb, but I really like your guys. I like your artwork, too. Yeah, it's, um. so oh, originally when I had this podcast idea, I was going to call it the Step It Up podcast. And obviously all cops would know what Step It Up means. But everyone outside of cop work would have been like, are you all like a dance podcast? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So I was like, <laughs> the day I was making the email, I was like, I got to commit because I start yet to start with an email. And I was like the anti-hero podcast. I was like that, you know, I like because it goes with the whole, you know, like the true cop that could have a lot of anti-hero qualities. You know, he 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 you know maybe has some vices you know a couple a couple divorces you know like that that average but he's a he's a really good cop he's you know so he's not that polished uh superman up there on facebook that everybody can go oh you know he's the one you know in the gutters doing the lord's work and you know it takes a toll on him as a human so that's kind of where the anti-hero podcast name came in i like it i like i like the premise behind it um you know, despite what people think about mine, it didn't come from two girls, one cup. Uh, although it is funny. It's a good correlation and it gets people, it gets their attention for sure. But um, what it is, is I am two cops. Uh, I got the idea from the podcast, Two Bears, One Cave. Yeah. Because Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura is one of my favorite uh, podcasts and, and, and comedians in general. But um I just kind of played off of that. I was like, well, okay, I see what they're doing. They're playing off their niche. What's my niche? Well, I'm in the military. Um, I'm a cop in the military. Uh, Security mm-hmm. Forces, Air Force, um, which is an MP for anybody that doesn't understand Security Forces. And then um, I'm also a city cop in, we'll just say North Texas. So I am two cops, and I like donuts because who doesn't? Man, okay, okay. That's, that's cool because I honestly, I was like, Man, maybe I was, you know, looking at looking at all your stuff and I was like, maybe he had a co-host at the beginning and then I, it just didn't I did. I, okay. I I did, but that wasn't the purpose. I I um 
he, my buddy that started with me, he was just trying, I just wanted somebody to be on that I could bounce some stuff off yeah. of as I got started. And then, um, as we kind of got going, uh, he had a following already. He does all the TikTok and Instagram stuff. Like that was his thing. So I, I was using him for help. Like I was like, Hey, I don't know how to build this up. I don't know how to get people. I was like, so I figured I'd have him on a couple shows. We could get going. I could get this thing launched and then, um, be good to go. And, uh, that's what we did. And we tried to, he lives so far away. So where I'm at, the city's gigantic and, um, it takes like an hour, you know, hour and 10 minutes for him to get over here. So booking podcasts with other guests became a nightmare mm. because yeah. I, we just couldn't sync up. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it went. Um, no, I, I just, I had this idea, ran with it. And then as I was going, I got to talking to him. I said, Hey dude, I need somebody to bounce stuff off with. You mind being on, you know, I'll, I'll try to bring you on regularly. And he's like, no, no, that's cool. Let's go. So we did. And, uh, but here I am doing my thing, running with it just like y'all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I ran in the same issue. I I had a co-host at first, um, but you know when you create something, no one is gonna be as dedicated to it as you are, right? Right. You you it's your vision, and you can't expect anybody to even come close to the level of dedication that you would give into it. Um, especially if you created it first and then ask someone. So right. my co-host started. Um, I don't know. I haven't still. He's what it's hard because he's one of my best friends. Um, I haven't really talked to him about it because he lives, like you said, you know, our central Florida area is really big. So, but he just kind of like stopped w wanting to come on so much. I think personally, I think it's free. It was freaking him out because we're active cops and guys are getting fired left and right for liking a post, you know, let alone right. coming on here and we're pretty controversial. And so, uh, you know, so I started just doing guests, like guests, guests, and I didn't want to do one on my own. I didn't want to ever have to film an episode where it was just me talking. Um, I don't think I'm that interesting. You know, <laughs> I've seen like Theo Vaughn do it and I'm like, I have to imagine like maybe a guest canceled, but he's interesting in itself. He's a He's a professional he, he, entertainer. Yeah. 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 He's probably one of my favorites right now. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not that. So I yeah. have to have another human. Um, so essentially like a month ago, I was like, man, I have got to find a co-host and I've got to bite the bullet, um, draw up a contract and talk money, talk, you know, talk percentages. And, and every time Brent Tucker from first responders coffee company would come on my podcast, it, the numbers just didn't lie. Like, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, and that whole profession and that whole world super interesting to not even the military, but to you know, regular people. So I, um, I, I draw up a bunch of stuff after the second time he was on my podcast. And I was like, essentially, I made a proposal packet um, to convince him to be a co-host. While I was drafting that up, took me a couple of days. Um, the Rob O'Neill skit went viral that he did and i brought him the packet and i was like hey man these numbers are based off of you know to august 8 that i didn't post that reel until august 10th so i already knew it was going to be good with you but this just solidifies it like you know we can have yeah. a really good podcast and uh so he agreed uh we ironed out some things and now october 2nd will be rebranded as a delta force slash street cop podcast nice so 
for people listening that may not be familiar with that skit, can you can you give a quick uh, overview of what what that skit was about? Yeah. So um, Brent has always told me um, we've hung out a bunch. Uh, he's always told me that Rob O'Neill didn't kill Bin Laden, and I always thought it was a conspiracy. Um, you know, it was one of those things. So he was on my podcast promoting his cigar line, First Responders Cigar Company. And, uh, and Brent Tucker is a retired Delta Force operator from the U.S. Army. He's not uh, a first responder, has never has been. He created a coffee company and a cigar company um, to uh, be able to – it's not a nonprofit. It is a for-profit company, but he donates large amounts of money to first responders that need help, right? So um, not to segue, but to explain his stuff, and I know he's been on your show, but – Yep. You know, he does. I can say he and when a, when a first responder's roof caves in or child gets sick, he's the first one writing a big check because, you know, that he has such a passion for first responders. So we were promoting his cigar company. I think it's episode 37, 36, maybe 35. I don't know. I can't remember. And um, at the very end of the episode, he goes, and I'd be a liar like Rob O'Neill. And so I said, hey, Rand, hold on. Everyone's going to want to hear you say that, explain this. So he took two minutes of a 50-minute podcast. It had nothing to do with it. The podcast had nothing to do with this. And he explained that Rob O'Neill didn't kill Osama bin Laden. So I went home, I posted it, and then I cropped it into a clip for all the social medias, and it went viral. And then Rob O'Neill got a hold of it. And it's been a fuck. Oh, sorry. Can you swear? Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Say whatever you want. It's been a a fucking roller coaster of a good time. As far as uh, when I say a good time, I mean like a hype for like a USC fight. You know, like you just can't buy this type of promotion. The problem is, is that um, we did some back and forth with Rob, and he said some things on his podcasts about us, and so we did a Rob O'Neill breakdown episode that just came out two days ago, Monday at midnight where Brent goes into detail how Rob is lying in every instance he's ever said anything about it. And uh, so <laughs> we put, but the problem is we filmed it on a Thursday. Rob got arrested on Saturday for a drunken disorderly and assault in Texas. Did you okay. know that? I did not. Yeah. So we filmed that on a Thursday. I think it was Thursday last week. Um, we had nothing in the tank. We didn't have any backup episodes. It had to be released. We didn't have a choice. Um, Two days after we filmed that, Rob O'Neill flies into Texas to do a podcast. Uh, They wrap up the podcast. They start partying. Rob ends up in jail for drunken disorderly and assault. Um, (laughs) He bonds out and goes back to Montana. And that's all. And also during this altercation, it's reported that he called the bouncer or security guard the N-word. Oh, yeah. that's a career ender. Yeah. So <laughs> don't do poor, that. Poor Rob is going through it. And now it kind of took a little bit out of the fun of all this because he is going through his own things. Um, because it's the right thing to do, we're not stopping what we're doing, but I think we're trying to do it a little bit more tastefully now. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good time. We're hoping eventually at the end of all this, Rob sits down with us and, uh, and tells can, his side. We can bury the hatchet. We can agree to disagree, whatever. But yeah, I think um, he's got to man up and come uh, or we go to him. And 
like I said, it, worst case, we just agree to disagree. And uh, Brent proposed all of his uh, facts and uh, proof, and Rob does his, and then we're done. And, uh, but I don't think I don't think Rob's going to do that. Oh man, that's too bad. Um, it's it is uh, I, karma can be a pain. I and I don't know the story, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily take sides, but. Um, if, if Brent is, is this determined and has, has made this argument public, that speaks volumes to me because I know Brent to be a straightforward, straight shooter type of guy. So, um, that eh, is what it is, but that's cool that it's working. You know, Hey, you know, they, what they say, there's no bad publicity. Yeah. I mean, any, so I really never focused on my audio stuff beforehand um i was more of a youtube guy i, I wanted to be monetized 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 so uh-huh. i would focus all my efforts on this the props and the lights and the cameras and all that stuff um uh so i forgot where i was going with that but either way um <laughs> the the videos were big for me um and the, and like i said um brent was uh anytime he came on my youtube videos would do outstanding um, like in the thousands and in my videos on YouTube average anywhere from 150 views to 500, not even that, you know, it just depends on what the topic is. Yeah. Anytime Brent would come on, they'd skyrocket. And, uh, this last one about Rob O'Neill is at like almost 13,000 views for a long, long form YouTube video, which is like, that's I'm, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. have mine are all long form you know, I post the whole episode, but then I do short little clips, yeah. um, six minute clips usually, and uh, nothing. I don't, I, you know, I, but I don't put to me, for, for me, when I started, um, YouTube was a supplement. Like, I it was a yeah. supplement to, like, if you like, because this is how I use Rogan's podcast, which is why I started doing the video anyway. But um, when I listen to a Rogan podcast, if I really like the guest, I stop where I'm at and I'm like, I'm going to watch this. Yeah, so then I, I, I do I flipped to I, I flipped to watching it. Um, so I just kind of looked at my own the same way. Now I actually am trying to grow um, my YouTube. Um, I've it, it's getting better. I'm not nearly as good at as it good at it as I am with my social media stuff. So do you uh, crop clips like uh, for uh, Instagram reels or TikToks or anything like that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done. I guess I, I take that back. Yes, I do reels as well. I, a matter of fact, what I do is every six minute clip that I do, I turn those into five separate reels, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know what I mean? I'll say part one, part two, so people can yeah you know, watch turn, it that way. Turn it vertical and uh, yes, yeah. 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 And then and you know a lot of times nobody wants to sit and watch a six minute clip, but you watch that first minute, minute and a half, and you're like. Okay, it's worth another. I'll, I'll watch the next one. So yeah, those uh, those those clips for me, not the sorry clip. I mean like shorts, like uh, yeah, shorts. Uh, uh, YouTube shorts, TikToks, and Instagram reels. For me, uh, they they put my content on the map for me. I couldn't have done it without those things because you know every like when you get a clip, like when you when I post like an Instagram reel or something, every like I call it the rule of ten. Every ten views, you get a like. 
Every 10 likes, you get a follow. Every 10 follows, you get a subscriber to the actual podcast. And every 10 subscribers, you actually get one fan. And it's just a gauntlet of those numbers. So yep. that's how I look at it. You know, out, out of all of the hundreds and hundreds of people that interacted with it, I get one person that's like, I like your stuff. And they actually yeah. listen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're right. Um, all right, brother. Well, let's get in. Let's get into this. Um, so first and foremost, my first major portion I like to do for this is kind of the humanizing part. I want people to get to know you and how you got into this life of service, so to speak. So um, where are you originally from? Did you have any family in law enforcement, military, um, nurses, teachers, anything like that that influenced you into becoming a police officer? Yeah, my dad was a cop my whole life. Um, I Ever since I was born, he was a like two, three-year cop, um, and he retired out of law enforcement when I was joining the military. So I've only known, and I always just knew, I wanted to be all these things, man. I wanted to be a guitar player for a band. A band's going to make it, you know. And, but I always knew in the back of my head I was going to be a cop. It was like, that's what a true calling is. It's like you you just can't get away from it. Um, so I grew up in Virginia, uh, joined the military uh, 2007, Went into the army, uh, went to Iraq, got out, um, and then went. What was to, your I, job? I was infantry. I was a infantry? paratrooper. Yeah. Okay. So, um, got out of the army, went to college, uh, got out of college, went to the police academy, and uh, I went to college down here in Florida because with the VA, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about out-of-state tuition, so we can go. I'm pretty sure that's how it is anyways, but anyways, I I found a college I really liked in Florida. Um, VA paid for it all and then um, had a little bit left over. They paid for the police academy afterwards. Um, And then, yeah, I've been a cop in Central Florida since 2016, and I'm on my second agency. Same retirement, though. If you're a business owner or an HOA, please stop and listen to me right now. If you're just listening to the audio, do yourself a favor and watch the YouTube version of this episode to get a visual of what I'm about to tell you. I want to tell you guys about Insight LPR. It's a license plate reader. If your agency, community, or business is looking to invest in LPR to help solve and deter crime or to make your community safer, Insight LPR has my vote of confidence. I've met with their team. They know their LPRs, guys. Uh, They're the real deal. They bring over 75 years of collective experience to building LPR cameras and the software that supports communities across the country. The other thing I really like about this team is how much they listen to law enforcement. They understand the importance of working together with law enforcement and getting their input as they build and innovate products and their service to match the needs of law enforcement. In other words, when I complain or have suggestions to make their damn camera better, they actually do it. The Insight LPR team is extremely passionate and takes pride in their product development, which makes their cameras some of the most durable cameras in the market. For the gear nerds out there with that means is this stuff's made of military grade aluminum and is nitrogen purged whatever that means this design makes the cameras rugged and able to withstand harsh weather elements here's the big selling point for me their nighttime scan accuracy is higher than most of the leading competitors in my opinion this is what sets them apart as we know the majority of crimes occur at night so it's critical to have high scan accuracy at night insights cameras check the box with the nighttime plate read accuracy greater than 96 percent 96 percent guys that's pretty freaking high. If your community is looking to invest in LPR technology, reach out to one of their experts today or reach out to me. Tell them two cops, one donut sent you. Okay. And it's important for our military 
people that listen out there, if you are curious about becoming a police officer or anything like that, and you haven't touched your GI bill or you still got some of it left, I don't know a police academy out there that doesn't accept and give you your GI bill benefits while you're in. I actually made more money in the academy <laughs> than I did when I got cut loose to the streets and they cut that GI bill. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Yes. You, if you even got a little bit, they treat us. Um, most police academies treat their uh, academy like a semester in college. And if you know, if you're in college, if your GI bill runs out in the middle of a semester or during a semester, you're, it will continue to pay for the full semester. It does the same thing. So I only had two months left on my GI Bill after I got out of college. Um, I joined the police academy, and they paid the whole six-month academy because they treated it like the last semester. Yeah. And then on top of that, you can can pay out – you can get paid out somehow on your GI Bill. Um, You can get – what do they call that? When you take it as a trade, if you go become a cop somewhere – you can essentially talk to your military liaison at your and then uh, at your agency and get paid your GI bill back to you. It's weird. No shit. Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. That's I really legit. wish I knew more of what I was saying. That's okay. That's that's <laughs> us. We're the jack of all, master of none. So, um, yeah. It, it, anytime I. It, this is kind of the premise of the the podcast for one is anybody listening, you know, we're trying to appeal to first responders, trying to appeal to the community. Um, and I, I want them to understand like, Hey, like this is a, a major benefit boost of be one becoming a cop and being a military member. Like there's benefits just everywhere. We just never hear about them. Um, cause they sure as hell don't advertise them. How many wow. benefits did you find out you were entitled to once you separated from the military? Yeah, I, I mean, the big one was uh, VA compensation. Um, when I got out of the infantry, we were the tough guys, right? We didn't, uh, I remember I had sergeants uh, telling me that if you claim any type of um, mental compensation, you're a pussy. Um, right. I, you know, they'd be, and they're, these guys have done three, four, five tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. These are hardened dudes that, are really fucked up mentally. Like they just, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, I hope I don't have to do as many tours as this guy. Cause this guy's insane. Um, so I got out and I only claimed physical stuff that happened to me. Um, and then nine years or something later, I finally went back, uh, and talked to, and, and I didn't like go like, I want this. I just talked to somebody at the VA and said, Hey, you know, I don't go, veterans and military guys we don't go around talking about our our hey do you feel this way i was just wondering you know i went and talked to a professional and said this has been my life post-military and he said i I think you're able to be compensated for some of that let's look into it further um so i did and you know i did a i remember meeting dudes i work with who never deployed they were getting ptsd compensation essentially for uh basic training because it was a lifestyle change and it was hard on them which you know hey but i did a combat deployment and i wasn't getting anything so you know it's like there's like you're talking about it's like not knowing the the benefits that are out there yeah yeah in you know it all depends on your position and all that stuff too all makes a difference because i used to be i used to think the same thing you know i because me personally i've never i was air force I jumped in in 06. We were definitely during the time of war. I got stuck at a nuke base. I never deployed. 
Yeah. Did you know? I did my four years active at a, at a nuke base and uh, never got to go anywhere. Never really felt like I had served. Um, and I jumped into the the reserves, um, but never never did anything significant. Significant, and um, I never really looked into my my own. And um, the more I've talked to people and stuff like that, depending on your job and the way that you're trained and the stuff like they start talking about the hypervigilance and then the stuff like that. And I'm I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying. I still, all I've ever done. And and this is because I had a gun go off by my ear is the, the hearing stuff, the tinnitus. Yeah, that was it. And then, um, but I'm still in, so I'm not, not worried about it (laughs) right yet. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it on my past, my podcast before too, is, um, you know, first responder, mental issues to me again i've done both but i've been braked over the coals for saying this they Um, can kiss our ass because i'm with you i already know where you're going yeah i've seen way more fucked up shit and been through more fucked up scenarios in a year yeah i'd say the problem is the difference between the military is most military um your fucked up things are a year long right they're, they're deployments. You could go on multiple ones, but essentially you come home and they're in a little box and you deal with them that way. And they're a different type of PTSD. It's not, it's not the same. And I don't really want to compare one to the other or say one's worse. Cause that's not true. There's a car accident, PTSD, uh, yeah. uh, sex assault, PTSD. There's all kinds of, I'm just talking about the two I know are, are military deployment and first responder world. But the problem is, is that the first responder world, you know, we have to deal with it on a daily basis. It doesn't go away. And you're constantly like that box is open all the time. It's not closed off where you, you know, you have a whiskey or two and you open it up and remember, you know, people who died first responder stuff is every day and, you know, until you retire. Yeah. And it's, um, the other part that I like to mention is the fact that when, when you deal with a trauma at work as a first responder versus the military, your, your mindset is when you're going to war, you're that's, that's it. You're with your boys. Like they're the rules of engagement. Like there's all these different, like it's war. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the mindset going into it. When I go to work as a first responder, I, I shouldn't be looking at it as these are enemies. These are everybody. It's a different, it's a different mental toll just in assessing in the hypervigilance. Those are two different, in my opinion, uh, when you show up, you know, you could be dealing with somebody who you think's a victim. And then the next thing you know, that's the assailant. That is your suspect. And now you're fighting for your life or somebody else's life. And then you go to the next call and it's, uh, you know, this neighbor's bitching that the other neighbor's trash cans over on their side of the driveway. Yeah, a lot of it's the the stress of the job, and one of the stressors is having to go up and down like that, like you just said. Yes. Like I, you know, I, I've been, I've had days, I have days constantly where you have your gun out pointing at another human being, right? Going through that mental, like, are you ready to pull this trigger? And and your life after that, your life. I've never uh, discharged my gun at, at my in the seven years of being a cop, but. Uh, I could, uh, but every time I pull it out, you're going through like, you know, 
what's it going to be like when this happens? Because, you know, it could happen right now. And then you holster it and then you go to the old lady who's mad that her neighbor's grass is growing over hers. And it's like going back and forth and up and down and call to call, you know, and then God forbid you knife hand this old lady for being an idiot. You're in trouble (laughs) because you're still hyped up on the last call, you know? Yep. Yeah. And it, you know, it takes good supervisors to know, you know, if you just see the dead baby call or, you know, whatever yeah. it is, good supervisor is going to step in and be like, hey, you need to go home for the day. Like, you know, in assess if and hopefully your supervisors know you well enough um, that they can make that call for you. Um, but the, the there's that whole cultural thing with us as cops is like, if I leave, my boys and girls that I work with are going to have to pick up my slack. Wow, yeah, that's 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 a sad thing, but it's a true thing is that we have that mindset. Yeah. And 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 for me, that is a tough pill to swallow because why did we sign up for this job? I, I think the the very root of anybody being a cop is to help in general. Mm-hmm. You may have your own windows of things. I want to be SWAT. I want to do this, I want to do that, I wanna, you know, somebody was killed by a DWI in my family and I want to get DWIs or whatever it is. But at the very base root is you want to help people. And then here we are, the people that depend on us the most and could have to save our lives or we got to save their lives or whatever it is. Now we're cutting out when everything we tell each other in the military and in the police world is suck it up. There's calls. There's calls that got to be shagged. (laughs) There's always calls holding. (laughs) There's always calls holding. I try to tell people when I show up to work, it is no thing for there to be 15 to 30 calls sitting on the sheet. Yeah, and just to go back to the stress, you know, I was thinking the other day, I I was cleaning out my car, my patrol car, uh, at a gas station in the middle of the day, and I kept, I I kept, you know, I realized, holy fuck, I'm worried that someone's going to come and plug me while I'm cleaning out my car. There is no downtime unless you are on your department's property in a gated gated facility or indoors. There's no, you are never safe, and that used to not be a thing. I don't think as much as, you know, random slangs of law enforcement officers just because, um, but you know, you can't even clean out your car anymore without having to be hyper vigilant about someone plugging you from behind. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and me personally, I've worked property crimes the last four years. So I've worked on a, a specialized unit and we deal with buybacks and buy busts and all this stuff. And, uh, jugging is a big thing. It's a terminology that a lot of people, regular civilians, probably never even heard of. And um, for those listening, jugging is basically a. Uh, we'll do the simple one. You're you're at your gas pump, and you go to pump. Meanwhile, uh, homeboys sneaking up to your passenger side door, uh, either taking your shit or waiting for you to distract, be distracted some other way, um, and they're taking your stuff out of there, and then you. You take off and have no idea your purse is missing or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's a form of jugging. Now it gets more complicated. There are other versions of it, but that's the simplest one. And uh, th- that's where the hypervigilance for me comes from. I'll be sitting at the pump and I'm double checking to make sure I locked my doors. So you can't pull the handle on the other side of my vehicle. I drive a truck. So I'm Texas. So you got to drive a truck. Mm. And, uh, you know, that that that's a hypervigilance specifically caused from my work. Oh, and yeah. I... I know statistically, at least in the areas that I'm at, that eh, it's not likely, but uh, I mean, I, I, I know I pump and I'm ready for, 
I'm ready for it. I'm ready for somebody to come up and be like, man, I really like your car, dog. And then start because a lot of people that um aren't cops don't know how these things work. Yeah. Um, your car keys are in their hands before you even realize your car is being jacked. You know, a lot of these are they're very, you know, they're very they're professionals at what they do. The the this almost borderline stolen vehicles rather than carjackings because there was no force used. There was, you know, let me get this. And, and they're sitting in the car and the person's like, what the hell is going on? I just got off work and some guy, and then boom, they're gone. And yeah. they're like, Oh, he just stole my car. As opposed to the whole, you know, gun in the face, give me your car. Yeah. It's just, and so I'm, I, every time I get out of my civilian car, I'm looking, I'm waiting for someone to come up and steal my wheels. And even, every time you walk out of the door of your house, you have contingency plan after contingency plan, especially when you have your family with you. Yep. You know, it's, and you don't even think about it. And if you brought it up, you'd be like, wow, that's so nerdy. Who does that? You do it. Everybody yeah. does it. We all do it as cops. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes from work, but I have three different ways that I get to my house and they're choke points because I want to make sure some psycho didn't follow me from work that I hemmed up his boy the other day or whatever it is. I, I've got my own choke points. I've got, um, we had, I'll give you a specific example of my wife figuring out just how nuts I am. Uh, we're out walking, me and my wife, we were walking our neighborhood. Well, I had noticed on the Ring Neighborhoods app that there had been a string of robberies of people doing what we do, walking around. And uh, I always carry, whether I'm in gym shorts or whatever, I've always got something on me. So listen up, bad guys, if you watch my podcast. <laughs> Uh, I've always got something with me and we're walking and a guy pulls up to us in his car and starts asking us if we've seen his dog. Well, I go right into detective mode. Uh, what kind of dog do you have? What's he look like? And so he's like, Oh, it's a, it's a little yellow dog. And I know people, they name what their dog is. If it's a, in my neighborhood and most of these people have some sort of purebred. So, yeah. um, Anyway, so, and I seen the car. I seen the way he looked. I was completely criminally profiling this guy. And uh, I've already got my shirt. I, you know, I have appendix carry and I've got my thumb wrapped around the hilt and I'm ready. And my wife saw it. And this is where I was proud of my wife. She triangled off slightly. She's not trained. <laughs> she, yeah. But she gave some room to, because she started doing the talking. And she's like, what's his name? And that was the key thing. And he, and he had to think about it. I'm like, you fucking know your dog's name. Yeah. So that's when I, I just, I, I didn't make it obvious, you know, but I knew that if he looked, he was going to see that I just had my hand where it needs to be. And he just, he didn't peel off or anything like that. He goes, okay, I'll keep looking. And he just drove away. That dude was going to fucking rob us. I know it. Yeah. I, I told her and she's like, do you think that was that guy you were talking? I was like, very well could have been, <laughs> but I, that is, that is where I don't, I, I hate that I'm that way at some point, but at the same time, I love it. I, and I don't know if cops will ever admit they love it, but I, I like being that way. I just spit. <laughs> I, I like being that way because it keeps my family safe. Yeah. I mean, one thing, I mean, even the, even the white collar or, uh, common scams you know now as a cop you were like you want to tell everybody in your family don't don't ever engage somebody that's trying if it's too good to be true it's too good to be true you know i'm so worried that my grandparents are gonna you know 
send two thousand dollars in iTunes gift cards to somebody. <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. IRS. Yeah, because because know, they they oh, owe, you, they owe money. You have a warrant. This is the county jail, and you know we'll erase the warrant for five hundred dollars in, in gift cards from yeah. from Walmart. <laughs> like, don't like, fall for that, people. There's like scams, all, all kinds yeah. of scams, and you know I, uh, another thing too, man, is where I'm cynical. I don't have anybody coming up to me with that look in their eyes like they want something uh, that if I don't know you, you shouldn't be engaging me in public to talk to me. Now, granted, the little girl selling Girl Scout cookies, I'm not an asshole. But to the uh, to the grown up, to the adult that's coming up to me and my family and is going to engage in conversation is not going to get the nice version of me first. They're going to get what can I do for you, man? I I don't I don't want any of that, you know, and. Especially the bums that ask for money. I just, the first thing they do, and they hate this. I'm going to sound like an asshole, but the first thing a bum does when they come up to me and ask for money is I say, hey, man, you got a dollar? And it drives them crazy because that's their line. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> yep. Yep. And it, well, and too, you know, where I'm at, at least the area I'm at, um, they're, everywhere because the homeless liaison stuff is all by where i'm at and you start to realize like some of these people they they don't want to get a job they don't want to go improve their lifestyle they don't want to they don't want that type of help no they're perfectly content with what they're doing and that is that's the majority and a lot of that majority is some sort of mental health issue where staying on medication is also a problem so you can't start to help people that don't want the help and they aren't going to stay medicated because that's what helps them. So I, I just I, I have very little patience for for that type of thing. And uh, yeah, don't if I'm alone, that's one thing. If I'm in uniform, that's another thing. Like I'm, I, I'll I'll talk to you for an hour if I'm in uniform. I'm a totally oh, different person man. to to a homeless person or, or, or fake homeless person um, when I'm in uniform. Cause it's a different, it's a different story. But when I'm with my family, yeah. Um, I, it should, it should just, to me, if someone is co- approaching you as a grown man with your family behind you and engaging in conversation, it better be pretty fucking important. Like you, you're safe. Yeah. You must be asking me for help because other than that and like real help, because that's where people are starting to like, they're getting. So when I say people, I mean like turds and shit bags, like they're starting to get so, um, comfortable to where they're now coming at up to like you know and i don't look friendly when i walk around i'm a nice guy i'm sounding i hope your listeners don't think i'm a piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) we're just getting real real quick and i kind of like you know yeah that's what happens when cops talk to each other (laughs) as most most of your listeners are uh most of your listeners are a cop assuming right yeah for the most part cops military um i i have managed to i mean Part of the podcast, like the, the the mission for it, was to bridge the gap between the community and first responders in general. So I do have quite a few um, anti-cop um, people that follow and engage in very good um, conversation. They they may they still not cop fans of cops in general, but they'll at least have a conversation conversation instead of just sitting there trying to troll. Yep. If that makes sense. So, no, um, yeah, th- and that's cool. That's all I ask for. You don't have to agree, but let's have a real conversation of why you feel the way you do. I'll explain at least our side of the house to try to f- 
fill any gaps. And maybe you make me aware of something I wasn't aware of. Perspective is everything. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've picked up some good stuff from doing that. You're not going to be able to change an adult uh, view on anything that I just don't. Most likely, it's like me trying to tell you to become a Tampa Tampa Bay Rays fan. You need to. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And um, to be honest with you, if someone is anti-cop through conversation, if I could get them in the mindset that if they thought if I saw a cop struggling, I'd help. That's all I care about because in that in those in that mind, that cop is now a human being to them. Right. right. So you could be like, I'm against law enforcement. I'm against the government. I'm I'm whatever. I don't agree with this. You know, I don't agree with that. But through conversation, if somebody was like, you know what? I've met enough good cops. Um, you know, these guys on this podcast, they're real. I respect yeah. them because they're real. Um, and now I hate them a lot less to the point where if I saw one getting tuned up, I would step in if it was the right thing to do. You know, if if somebody, if I was on the ground with somebody and they were going for my gun, um, I'd want that. I'd wanted to be able to change that person's mind to where like, hey, we're on different sides. We don't agree on pretty much everything, but I'm a human being and you would help me retain my gun to where I could get this. That And it sounds really cheesy and corny, but I don't think know. it does. I think I think it's one of the most realistic things you can do. But uh, we're both in states where I don't think you'd be very hard pressed to be struggling on the ground and uh, yeah. at least one Bubba in a pickup truck didn't stop by. Boy, I've been waiting for this my whole life. <laughs> you need yeah. help, officer? Yeah, come on, man, help me out. <laughs> um, we we got quite a few of those uh, those good old boys here in Texas. Um, that shit, they're just waiting for the opportunity to help a cop. <laughs> I yeah. love it. And it's I noticed too. It's a lot of um, you know, the younger generation. As people get older, they realize you can't hate the cops. The yeah, <laughs> they just it's a mature thing. You know, a fourteen-year-old kid in the hood is going to be a different than a thirty-four-year-old man in the hood. Twenty years later, if you will talk to that guy, it's too much energy to hate the police because it's yeah. all fake. You're you're pissed probably about tons of things. You're a human being. You're allowed to have emotions. Um, you could be mad about a lot of things. And I think that they realize I'm just getting mad at the face of something. Yes. I'm sh- yeah. I'm trying to shoot the messenger, you know, uh, yep. ab- oppression your whole life. If you lived in oppression, um, which, you know, created all of these things for you. Uh, it's probably not the cops that did that to you. It's probably your democratic government that has kept generations upon generations upon generations of people uh, needing the government, right. Instead of promoting, getting off the government and you know again not trying to go deep dive into that but yeah i i so i've had these conversations um and i like to i like pointing out when cops i think one of the things that humanizes us in that i'm not saying it wins people over doesn't flip them to not hate cops just like like you're getting to um is when we own up to some of the shit. And then when we take the time to kind of educate on our perspective on some of the shit and like, um, writing traffic tickets, for instance, or, or, or doing traffic. Some I I've shared with people a lot. Like I still have my original ticket book. I, I don't write tickets. I, that's not my thing. I, and, and we don't have quotas, but 
here's the inside that I'll give you. Something that you can hang your hat on because you know there's something, but, you know, one, we don't get paid for writing tickets. We don't, we don't, we don't get anything from that. It doesn't help us. That money doesn't even go directly to the department. It goes to the city. Mm. So at least where I'm at, that's what, that's what happens. So no, I'm not getting a cut for that. Why would I show up to work to put money in their pocket? It doesn't help me. I don't give a shit. Uh, So I don't do that. So, but what I will tell you is those guys that ride the motorcycles, their only job is to do that. So when it comes to evaluation time, if they're not doing that, how are they being evaluated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no other way to evaluate them. I can't tell them they got to go write 70 tickets, but at the same time, when your job is to write tickets and you've been doing it for six months and you've only written two, well, no, there's not a quota, but you sure as hell are evaluated and you may not be allowed to stay on a specialized unit. So you tell me what that is. That's not a quota, no. But yeah. you do have an argument, citizens, and this is kind of the thing. So that's what those guys do. I tell people all the time, you know, people, uh, and I'll make fun of a motors guy. I, I do it all the time. Oh, um, I do too. But it's not people, at, <laughs> I people have it. to understand there has to be someone out there enforcing traffic laws. There yeah. has to be. I can't put my, I could never go to work like you just said and, and be like, wow, I can't wait to write tickets today. It just blows my mind. But it has to interest somebody just like there has to be internal affairs. There has to be. Right. Every, everybody has to be policed. And, you know. Um, so try, but my, my calling is not to go out there and make the taxpayers pay money when there's real criminals out there who don't have driver's license, who wouldn't pay a fine. Even if you find them, they don't care. They're out there breaking the law. So I try to go for those dudes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's one of those, um, perspective things. So I've had some traffic guys that I've talked to and they're like, listen, there's citizens that are complaining about the specific stretch of road that we're talking about. Okay. Am I supposed to tell them that their opinion and and all that doesn't matter because all these other people think that traffic tickets are a money making scheme by road pirates to help the fund the police department. He's like, they both have an argument and they're both taxpayers. Yeah. He's like, so for me, I've got this stretch of road that's being complained on. Now I am satisfying a citizen complaint. And then I got another citizen that's complaining that people are getting injured, that there's all these accidents in this area. So now I'm over there trying to slow people down to prevent these accidents. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Like, however, comma, that's not my bag. I am not going to be that guy. I am glad you're that guy. I'm glad that you want to do that and that you have fun riding motorcycles um, because I've worked enough accidents to know I will never ride a motorcycle. Um, And... Watching you guys do your work is amazing. I'm glad that you do it in the Texas heat, wearing those tall, nerdy-ass boots that you wear uh, and gather a bucket of sweat in them throughout your shift, and you write 25, you know, you write a book a day, whatever it is, and I'm glad you like it because it's just like that. I'm glad there's SWAT guys too because I don't have that in me either. I like enforcing the law. I'm game to go, you know, be the first guy in the door. However... I don't have the energy to train the way that SWAT trains because they're they're the best at what they do. And I'm glad we got guys that are ate up with that position and want to do that. So yeah. uh, you know, I I'm a I'm a gray area big picture type of guy that wants to be typically on a specialized unit so I can kind of be a, a utility player so to speak. That's, that's me. That's personally where my bag's at. 
But yeah. for you, like, what what is your specialty? What do you like to do? I'm a street crimes guy. Um, it's always been my goal to get on a street crime style unit, uh, and I finally did. And now everyone, I, and I get it. You know, they're like, "What's next?" I'm like, "I'm enjoying." When I was a street cop, when I was a patrol deputy, I enjoyed that shit. That's why you get into cop work. You mentioned it earlier. Obviously, everybody has career aspirations, right? I, you know, like, oh, I want to be a homicide detective. But when you, I can't stand it when you guys come in the door and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like, no, you're going to pick up calls for a couple of years, bro. Like, you're going to yeah. learn the basics. I haven't even gotten to go to that. So get your ass in line, you guy, you know, that. But like, I enjoyed being a, a, a zone deputy, a B cop for a long time until I was like, you know what? Now I'm going to put in for the specialty unit. Um, so I did that, the street crimes unit. And now I'm there. I've been there for a year and I like it. And I don't really care to go anywhere else yet. Um, I want to enjoy my time in there because I feel like once you, once you're already looking at your next goal, you can't enjoy what you're doing. And you know, I really don't care for long-term investigations. I don't really care for um, any type, any type of detective work. I want to be there for uh, when detectives need some kind of field activity. Like if you're like, hey man, my guy operates at seven p.m. Can you go do this, that, and that, and see what you can get? That's what I'm there for. I'll report to you the next day my findings, and I'm done. I don't have a, I don't have to continue the narrative of this and that, and you know, dope. I arrest for dope uh, for that day. Off to jail. I, I suppress the streets to to keep it at bay. It's up to narcotics to do the long term ones that really do the damage to to dope. Um, but I will help out narcotics if they need something. You know, that's that's kind of what i enjoy doing um but i got another 17 years left until retirement so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and you you brought up a good point about the new guys coming in that's what i'm gonna do da, 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 da. listen you know how many times like when i first came into police work i had ideas of stuff i wanted to do and i'm not gonna say i came through the door saying this is what i'm going to do and i don't think i ever did that personally but i can tell you by getting a year two years three years four years, five years, as I kept going with my patrol time, I ended up doing 10 years of patrol. Um, as I did my patrol time, my goals and ideas of what I wanted to do changed every year yeah. because of my experience. So don't come in the door thinking you're going to do this specific job because you don't even understand what that job is yet because you don't understand the street. You don't understand patrol. You got to get that under your belt first. So that that's an important thing for these new guys coming out. Um, and then for you, what you just said, um, and I'm give you a little bit of my experience. Um, although being a detective isn't necessarily what you want to do, I would recommend at least doing like if your if your place allows this, go work. You know, be basically a, a detective's you know right hand for a month two weeks, whatever they'll let you get away with. If you can do two weeks to a month, I think that would be the perfect amount of time. But, you know, write some warrants, do dig into an investigation on some of the, the you know, the general assignment stuff. I'm not saying get into a homicide or anything like that. Um, just a property crime in general. That's an easy one, you know, um, and get that experience of starting the case, going through and all that. I know. And, and I'm talking shit because I don't know what your department does. Some, some departments, 
your street level cop does all that. They write the warrant and they get it all the way to that point mm-hmm. and then they pass it on to whoever. I, I don't know. So, but for you, if you ever get a chance, try try to do that, man. It really does give you, even if you want to stay what you're doing, it just makes you better. It gives you like this. You, all of a sudden now you're doing an investigation. When you pass it off to a detective, he's like, holy shit, like this dude nailed it all. I don't got to do, I just got to file the case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way I came in the door wanting to be a super cop um, and change the world and stuff like that. But um, for me, this is going to sound cynical at first. So everybody listening, especially you, don't. I love the precursor. Don't think I have a bad attitude because I don't. But I struggled with this for a while until I came to this realization is that, um, you know, being the best government worker to me is kind of dumb only because I know you're trying to, to get to a position of your job that you enjoy. And that, and that makes sense. Like I don't want to be patrol for 20 years. I want to go, I want to be law enforcement. So I'd rather go do something else. So I'm really going to try hard to that. That makes sense to me. Um, but it was, um, it, it was just being, you know, we, you've been there, you've been passed up on things where sometimes the right person doesn't get the job. You busted your ass and you know, it's not like you own your own business where you get to reap (laughs) the rewards of your hard work. Um, government work is government work. There it's not, it's not the private world. It's not your own business. It is the government world and it is a very political place. Um, some agencies are better than others. So I d- adopted this mindset. I am here for the people. I'm a constitutionalist. And you really, you get away from that when you're off the road. And that's just human nature. You're, you, you, you stop interacting with so many people. You still do your interviews and stuff, right? You still go out there. Uh, I'm sure detectives at least work about five minutes a week doing real cop work, but, <laughs> but you know, Burn. <laughs> but you know, you still do have human interaction probably more than the average person. But as a cop, you get to really see emotions in people and it's like you live through that with people when it, it can drain your energy for sure. But, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Um, my old agency, we used to do, um, a lot of detective work because, misdemeanor crimes detectives didn't have the time for um it was tasked to you it wasn't an option where i work now um it's highly encouraged to take your own case because the detectives again are so busy if you go hey you mind if i work this and just ask you when i got some questions they're gonna go oh oh hell yeah work anything (laughs) you want yeah Um, so and then we're also allowed to do this thing called cross training where you can go on your days off or if you if you have manpower uh if your manpower is good you can go on your work days uh and you can go shadow with the unit that you're interested in. Um, you essentially pay your dues. Um, you get FaceTime with this. And whatever unit this is kind of gets to start working with you. They can see how quick you learn, how into it you are, um, and whether or not you mesh with that unit. Um, and that's a big thing, too. You can't have a, a team full of pipe hitters and then have someone come in that does not match that dynamic. Um, you can't have a group that's a solid group of people and then mix someone in that's uh that doesn't think like them or you know now there's no trust because who's this new guy that we don't mesh with and it kind of breaks up the integrity of that unit um which it sounds bad but it's true you know it 
uh, you you got eight guys on a task force. If they're thinking and moving as a unit, they're going to get a lot more accomplished than eight guys who just work together. Uh, so that's just kind of been my thing. So I do have the opportunities when I'm ready. Um, yeah. To do that. And another thing too, is I, I'm big on, uh, making changes and people go, well, Tyler, why don't you promote? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. However, the big thing is go get some detective experience before you promote. Because if you promote and you've only done patrol now, when that's that spot opens up in property or narcotics or stuff, you, you don't stand a chance cause you have no, uh, we yeah. call it CID, but you know, you have no detective experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I connect. So what we do with my property crimes unit is, um, we do 90 day rotations with patrol guys. We, we always have two patrol guys that will come in and do a 90 day rotation. So the idea behind it is we want to get them, um, used to the dynamics of a specialized unit. Um, we teach them how to run UC operations, um, where they're driving UC cars, we're doing surveillance, we're following, you know, sometimes we're going in and out of our own city, things of that nature. So they get used to the communication there. And then we have them write warrants, uh, because that's, that's what we do. We write a lot of warrants and, um, teaching them that stuff, they bring it, then they go back to patrol and now they've got this experience and they're able to bring it to their team. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys that thought they didn't want shit to do with detective work. You know, I would say three out of four, once they've written a few warrants and some of them, they, it's just the nature of how it went. We just had a hot season while they were there and, uh, they wrote, you know, 10 to 12 fucking warrants in their 90 days that they're there. And that's a lot for a person that that's not their job. And, that's not the intention. We don't have you come to our team to write our warrants for us. However, if you want the experience and you want to write them, we're going to let you do it to get that under your belt. And they'll go back and they're like, man, I, I didn't realize I liked writing these warrants as much as I do. Or the more important part is I'm a better street cop now because I know what the detective's looking for and I'm able to ask questions better. I'm able to get the right information better. I'm able to understand while, why, just getting their ID and a phone number isn't good yeah. enough anymore. Yeah. I, need, or that I, need or just, a, I was just, just saying, yeah, I need an email address. I need a social media yeah. account, all your social media accounts. Give me a second email address. Do you have a work number? Okay. Now we're talking. Who's your girlfriend? Who are you dating? What's her social media? You know, and then you see these guys because they're like, we never, we never thought to ask all that. Well, you know, there's calls holding. So we don't ask yeah. this stuff. We, we ask the basics and we get the fuck on because, the next call is holding in my beat and I got to take care of my beat because I got beat integrity. Well, that's great. Yeah. But do you want your effort to count? That you or want your effort, you want your effort to count, then you need to give your detective all the stuff he needs or she needs to, to handle that case and file it. Yeah. That are just even God, even the basic stuff. Um, once, <laughs> yeah, once, yeah. You ain't once, lying. I know what you mean. <laughs> well, well, once a detective explains to you how field uh, interviews solve so much, you're yeah. like, holy, I didn't know that stopping out with somebody. And, you know, you stop out with them and you run their ID and, you know, they're good, no warrants, and they have nothing on them, they, they go, right? Um, when you're sitting there spewing through stuff trying to find suspects or leads, that stuff isn't there. You don't go look at that stuff. You don't go look at what... Uh, this guy did at two in the afternoon on Saturday who he stopped out with all of his suspicious people. You, you, I don't, I can't say specifically, but I'm assuming 
it's a detective thing. You sift through field interrogations. Who was where? Who was it where at what time? You know, and just like I've seen some wild things get solved that way. So yeah, let me tell you where the nerd technology is going. Okay, there's this company called Nice. I think it's like Nice Investigations or something like that. It's a it's a new investigative tool for uh, it's using like AI and shit, right? We don't have this. We're we're trying to. I'm trying to get my department to get this shit right. Let's say you do an uh, FI, or or not even an FI. Let's say you're out on a call and you're dealing with um, eh, well, let's just say a possible burglary uh, of a car over here at a shitbag hotel, right? And uh, you got people standing around. You're like, hey man, come here, talk to me. Did you see anything? No. What's your name? You know, and you get their information. Okay, you're you know you're John Smith. Cool. Da 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 da. I talked to John Smith. He told me the only thing he saw was a, a red maroon car, but that was it. And he doesn't want nothing to do with me. Cool. Now, if any report writing system out there knows anybody that does this stuff, John Smith ain't getting put in no fucking tab. John Smith, you're lucky if John Smith's even mentioned in the narrative. Yeah. More than likely, the only thing he's going to be on is your body cam. And uh, what this program does is it collaborates anything that's associated with your case number. So your body cam, your your CAD call, and for those wondering what a CAD call is, that's the, that's the actual call that goes into dispatch and then goes over the computer. All that stuff that associates with that call is going to be grabbed by this program and populated together. So you as the detective or you as the officer, whoever's using this program, you're like, ah, oh, man, I remember this guy at the hotel. I can't fucking remember his name. Um, it was case number such and such. This program will pull up anything that involves that case. You locate. Oh, look, the auto transcript here from Axon. If you have Axon body camera, um, John Smith was mentioned here with his birthday. Cool. Then I go into that and I'm like, OK, it was John Smith. Now this program, I just it's call it nice, um, pulls up everything that you're looking for on John Smith, every case that's ever been associated with that dude. Could you yep. imagine having that fucking tool now? Like, it, it, like that's how excited I get about this because now you're getting all this information based off of one minor contact, just like you're talking about with a field interview, how big that goes when you get the, the, the programs that are coming down the pipe, because I guarantee cops everywhere are going to end up getting something like this, whether it's this program or something similar. And now the the field interview becomes that much more important. Those little contacts, just asking, having the wherewithal as a cop to somebody standing around your crime scene that has what you think has nothing to do with what you're doing. And you go and make contact with them. Hey, what's your name? Oh, did you see anything? No, I didn't see anything. And then you find out later through this program one of your suspects was on that scene. You talked to him and you thought they had nothing to do with it. Like I get fucking pumped about that shit. I think it's, it's nerdy as hell. That is pretty nerdy, (laughs) but it's fucking awesome. dude. Well, What they don't tell you, what they don't tell you is that you need a damn near computer science degree now to be a a patrol cop. I've every three months and you get this, you get that like, Oh God, I got to create an account for this and I got to learn how to use it. And then I, (laughs) learn and you know i remember when i started it was just david and cat that's all you really needed you know um now it's i i just got elvis i haven't even set that one up and they're like oh did you get the new lpr readers like we got rid of the old one no it's a it's a second one and it's way better like <laughs> so we're gonna run two and they're like yeah I, and i work with some workers they 
loves uh, fighting crime. I'm not shitting on them. They they really love their job and they will do anything they can to uh, to sharpen their spear as far at work, you know, to make them a better street cop. Yeah. Uh, so I have to keep up with those guys. And man, you know, just all the usernames and passwords I have like. Uh, <laughs> yeah 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 and that's another argument shit this is gonna be a wild podcast already i can tell so that's one of the main things people want to bitch about when they're talking about cops you guys are dumb you guys don't have any education you you don't know the laws you don't know this do you know how much training we do do you know how many cer- certificates uh tests that we have to do shit i swear we get a we use this thing called power dms <laughs> so whether you get a you get a a, gen, a general order update, a legislative update, a new law. Um, you can't do this no more. You, you can do this now. Um, you know, make sure that your gas tank uh, cover is clicked four times now. Like, do you acknowledge this? Like, there's all these little computer tests that we have to do continuously. Like, the continuous it education... Never it, it never, never ends. ends. And here's the thing, too, is like you said, power DMS and all that stuff. When I started... Um, as a cop seven years ago, there was uh, maybe an update a month, 12 a year, give or take. Now, it's every time you open your inbox. They figured, <laughs> law enforcement admin figured out it's they can cover their ass by just putting it in there and making you sign it. And I promise you, I'm definitely not going just to... You know, I'm reading everything through and through. Wink, wink, stomp, stomp. Yeah. There's just no way, especially shit that doesn't pertain to you. I'm not reading it. And all they do is they'll change one sentence in it, and you'd be lucky if they highlight that. Yeah. They don't sometimes. And then you're like, I just read this like six months ago. And it's like, oh, well, we updated it. Like, yeah, I got to read the whole thing again on aviation. I am never going to fly that helicopter. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Everybody's got to read it. Yeah. And and that is and that's the point is it's that nobody's talking about is. Okay, you're upset with police because you don't think they train, and we don't get enough training. I I can tell you it, it's it's we're the jack of all and and, and the master of none. We 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 train. You need to pick focuses and 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 allow us to really focus on the things that we need and and the most liability is in. Not cover your ass on every little thing that comes up where you're trying to prevent this natural disaster from ever happening that is likely to never happen. And and that is what all these stupid little tests are is nothing but an annoyance to the point where cops don't even read it. They don't look at it because you are wasting our time. If it, my opinion is if it is worth us learning, then we're doing it in person. Yeah. Well, and here's a good thing. Um, uh, that first off, is this live? No. Okay. okay Hell cool. no, sir. Do you mind if I, I do, I got to pee so bad. Yeah. Go to the bathroom, man. All right. You're I'll good. But yeah. So even with, um, with all that, a good, to me, a good supervisor takes briefings, right. And he uses briefings for a lot of good things. Um, one of them is going, Hey, all you turds. I know you didn't read all those power DMSs. So we're going to break down these four that pertain to you. And put them in layman's terms so I know you guys understand them because they're written by law legal. They're written as legal documents. They're not they're not easy to understand and decipher. You know, so you get a bunch of 22-year-olds 
that could care less about any of that. They're out there ready to go fight crime, right? They're out there to run and gun, and you're making them read these four or five-page documents. The supervision, in my opinion, should be going over hot cars, going over hot things, going over what CID is into, and then the last thing is making sure they their guys understand, <laughs> you know, what they signed because they didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and the supervisor's job is to, if there is a big cliffhanger on it, like, let's say, you know, oh, by the way, um, you know, these Blackhawk host, holsters that we everybody was using, they're, they're no longer allowed. Like you, if you get caught using it, you'll be fucked up. So like that, that's mm-hmm. an important cliffhanger. Like I need to know that one. And mm-hmm. I know none of y'all read it because, but now you're saving your team. Hey, let me make sure none of you guys are wearing that. Blackhawk holster, whatever the hell it is. No offense to Blackhawk. I just named one out of the sky. So. Yeah. And, and and as someone like you, for instance, you've been around long enough, you know, you can tell your guys like, hey, I've been around where they drop some rules. Don't fuck around with this one. They're serious, you know, or yes, you know, where we do this every year. We go through and we we talk about uh, facial hair and admin's mad about facial hair for a month and then we revisit this issue in a year or two you know it's one of those things where you're not really going to but if it's something new you know that the sheriff or the sheriff or the chief has made it his vendetta hey guys i know it's stupid but i'm telling you right now because (laughs) i'm the fight (laughs) i'm telling you therefore it's out of my hands after i tell you don't fuck this up you know yeah because i'm not going to cover your ass this is another (laughs) thing officers listen up like if i'm telling you I'm 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 willing to accept certain punishments. And if you see me doing something, it's because I'm willing to accept that. So I've given you the facial hair talk. If you're willing to accept that punishment when the lieutenant goes, Hey Levine, your guy's got facial hair, it's out of regs. You gonna do something about that? Yes, sir, I am. I'm on it. <laughs> hey, I told you, bro. I, yeah. You got caught. It's on do you what, now. Do what your career can handle. That's exactly. the best advice anybody's ever given me is like, yep. I have a shirt, you know, I have a t-shirt or an apparel company. And one of my first shirts I ever made was don't do what I do. Um, that's more of a, more of a bigger thing, you know, as far as like lifestyles and stuff and decisions yeah. I make and risks, you know, but I always was a, when I was an FTO, I was always telling you guys, don't do what I do. Just do it like this until you you're off probation and then you can do it like this. And, uh, and then I, you know, then everybody started pointing out like, oh, you're telling the trainees don't do what I do. And it's like, it's true. I, yeah, I would, I would no report the shit out of this thing. I, I had a trainee. I were, I no reported a, what came out as a home invasion because then I realized they all live there. All the property was civil and the only, we call it battery. The only assault happened between two non, uh, it was non-domestic. So I'm running through, I'm like, I have no crime in this home invasion. And I, you know, and so I'm like, if, if you were to get this, you need to take put paper on it just for and you, then CYA. You have, to, you have to explain what CYA yeah. is to them. Like, yeah. It's because you did the right thing. It don't matter. Yeah. You got to show that like, hey, I did everything I could to not get in trouble. Yep. Yep. And it, this is another part that people need to understand in the world of policing is it isn't a laziness thing. It's a saving the system thing. It's a discretion thing. And it is a keeping the system flowing, especially in police work, when calls are holding in any of these bigger cities. Smaller cities, you you, you definitely don't have this issue because two or three, five calls in a day may be a busy day. <laughs> Where? That's, a, that's awesome. Glad that's the thing. But 
in those type of cities, that's where you start to get the pain in the ass cops that like to do law or uh, do traffic enforcement a lot yeah. because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> it's such, I live in one of those. God bless them. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And, and, and it's not a knock. Okay. People listening. I, I've, ex- I've, I've beat this dead horse a lot, but I, you know, you're a new guest. So I may, I want to see what your perspective is on this. Now, here's my perspective. You want to be a cop your whole life. You want to catch robbers. You want to catch murderers. You want to catch rapists. You want to do all these things, stop people from stealing. You want to get people their stuff back. That's the dream. And then you go through the academy. Now you're trained. You got all this badass training. You want to go be a fucking ninjutsu, you know, Batman cop out there saving the day. Now, finally, you've gone through all your FTO uh, program, you know, your four months or whatever that program is. And they finally say, hey, rookie, you get your own squad. You get your own beat. Go take care of it. Boom. All right. Sweet. You're out there. A month goes by. Two months go by. Three months go by. They ain't shit going on. There's nobody getting robbed. There's nobody getting murdered. There's nobody getting shit stolen that you can do anything about. Uh, you're not catching people in the act. You, you got police blue balls. <laughs> you really do. So what the fuck do you do? Pull cars over. Yep. It's the only thing you got. You got to get proactive somehow. Maybe I'll find something. And that's yeah. what happens. My first agency was like that. Um, there was no real crime area. Um I worked in suburbia. I mean, it's essentially, you know, I went, I, I, that was a 400 man agency. Um, I moved to another County and I went to, I think we're slotted to be 2000 or 1900, but we're, we're only at, you know, we're down a lot, but we're only at like 16 or 17, but, um, you know, much bigger jump and, 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 and manpower, but the biggest thing was I worked, I got thrown into the craziest place in my agency. And I I was a cop with experience and I was going home when I got hired in this new place, hearing the alert tones in my dreams and waking up and, uh, because it was just, it, it's adapting and it spits people out. Some people go straight to SRO. They're like, I can't handle this. This is not, this is too much. So <laughs> You know, and I was just thinking that when you were talking, you know, if you had to pick, it's like picking weather. You don't get perfect. You either got to pick extreme cold or extreme heat. What would you rather live in? Heat and everybody, ha- yeah, I'm the same <laughs> way. I just couldn't, but you know, obviously I'd like to live somewhere that's perfect, like San Diego weather, but you don't have one. You got to pick mm, one. Whale's weather. vagina. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Are there places out there that have the perfect agency where you can move around? Sure. There are. But most of the time, it's either um, super boring or super fucking busy. And we're talking super busy, like calls holding when you jump on, calls holding when you get off, no take or no take home cars, fucking locker rooms, shift change, the 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 LAPD style of mm-hmm. police work. Um, so, without the Californians, hopefully, yeah. Just kidding, Californians, <laughs> you're not for me though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, could you imagine? I grew up watching NYPD and LAPD movies. That's and I'm like, oh man, it would be a dream of mine to work for one of these agencies. Ugh. Knowing that. knowing what I know now as a cop, no. Dude, they can't do anything. Nope. Nope. No, thank you. Texas or Florida or Arizona, those are the only three places I'd want to be a cop right now. Mm-hmm. And I I've talked to quite a few Arizona guys, quite a few Florida guys, and it's it's a a constant uh 
one upping of who can do more. I think Arizona right now is winning because Pinell County has posses. What the hell is that? Literally, the sheriff there, Mark Lamb, initiated posses where you can be a citizen. They'll give you a fucking car. They'll give you a little bit of training. And you you help them. You're not you're, and it's not a reserve program. <laughs> oh, I can see how this could get dangerous. I know. I've never heard <laughs> anything like it, dude. And I'm like, this is the most old west like gangster shit I've ever heard of, and it's working for them. They basically tell these guys like. Hey, you got, you know, you got to do some training. You got to do this. And okay. And and their insurance company is good with it. So I'm assuming they're getting a good level of training, but at the same time, they're, they're Joe Blow citizen off the street that just happens to have a clean background and is allowed to go do that stuff. And um, his argument is like, because he's a constitutionalist out there as well. um, And he's running for U.S. Senate. And that's one of his things is he's like, listen, I'm not going to tell you, you can't help defend and protect your city. But if you're going to do it, let's do it in a controlled environment where I'll have you help, you know, on a traffic accident. We'll guide you. We'll tell you what to do while you're doing it. You'll know what your parameters are and all that stuff. But they they let them be as cowboy as they can get. That's, that's the shit, man. Wow. I Listen, I love it. I think it's awesome. But I don't know that I would make that same choice if I were in charge. Yeah, it's a lot of liability. Uh, yes, but <laughs> sheriff's different. I work for a city. I work for a, min- a municipality, so I like I'm at the whim of the city. But a sheriff, he is voted in. He's elected. He's a cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He where we work, and I'm assuming this is where everybody the sh- the deputy a sheriff can say, deputy uh, Tyler, you are going to go relieve uh, city police chief uh, so and so of command effective now and i can walk in under the sheriff's power and go you're relieved of command now would that ever happen absolutely not that would never happen in a million years but that he has that power to relieve chiefs and uh we are deputized under him to where we could do that and i always thought that was that is cool yeah maybe they did that back in the day you know but there was there's a lot less corruption in in law enforcement now than people want to believe but you know just up to 10 years ago uh, there was full-on admin police agency corruption going on where uh, police departments had to be shut down. It happened all over the place. FBI yeah. got involved, you know. Yeah, it, 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 and I, I attribute that to body cameras. Body cameras mm-hmm. are huge. I love them. People, I them. see, I love them. I, I feel naked without one. Um, you wear a body cam? Oh, yeah. For property? I'm not a, I don't sit behind a desk. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. for real? Yeah, I have that. Oh, I thought you were a detective like Khaki Polo. No, I'm a full kitted out. We roll around in undercover vehicles, make by bus, um, set up on places that we think are going to be hit. Um, you know, knock down cars, do you know, stopping IDs. Like I'm in the field, baby. That's I can't. Enough. I'm a restless soul. I'm sitting here judging you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. No, I get kidding. you. I feel that. Yeah, no, I'm uh shit. I was just in a foot chase the other day and then in a car chase in the same day. Two different two different calls. Yeah, I'm I'm out there all the time. With the body cams now, I'm assuming I can't I will there's some things I don't talk about with my agency, and one of the things I will talk about is uh things that aren't right. Um our our admin 
is tasked, our lieutenants or watch commanders are tasked to watch X amount of body camera randomly throughout the week. When they do that, they go look for anything that is um, over five minutes. I don't know what the parameters are, but essentially, if you say anything on this body cam, um, you can be jammed up for it. Foul language. Uh, uh, and I just don't like the abuse of technology. The body cams, every time a piece of technology is introduced into law enforcement, it's sold as this is a tool, not something used to punish you. I've heard right. that probably four times with the dash cams and the, you know, we have these things now where if we hit the brakes too hard, it records the in cab of our car. So no matter what you were doing, watching, saying, talking to, that's all re on record now. You, you know, there's been times where I've been motherfucking my supervisor. I, I, if I, if I got a retard supervisor that is an idiot and I'm me and the boys are going to bust his balls like we would, if I accidentally get it on camera, I don't feel bad. You shouldn't be listening to my conversations. However, right. It does make my job harder when my supervisor knows I just called him a dumbass. So <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. really create a good. But if, if I have a good supervisor and this is, I think this goes back to my military experience anyway, that is part of the fun of doing the job. Like, yeah, they're, they're fucking razzing me because it's an outlet for them. I yeah. get it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's like, I'm, it's, it's the same as going to the bar with your boys at some point. Ladies are going to come up. Wise. Oh, man. My wife made me. Uh, it's, it's an outlet. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure any wife is not going to go, I want to hear what they're talking about. No, you don't. Because <laughs> no. they're, it's healthy outlet. Yeah. And know? it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's it just, it's just at one, maybe I'm just trying to get a laugh out of the guys. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I'm pissed off about something else and you're my closest outlet to go off of. Uh, these are all things that we have to deal with. And it, I tell you what, any department out there listening, I, I do have quite a few chiefs, lieutenants, uh, and higher ivory tower people that listen to me. Um, if you're hearing me right now, I will fully tell you outright, like that should be something that should concern you because if you don't have trust in your people and your guys, then what are you doing? Because you shouldn't be just, I get random audits. I understand the premise behind that and all that stuff, but Unless there's a complaint or unless there is something that was found to be, you know, egregious, let it be. There's just no reason to look. And no, you are not, if you want to keep retention and you want to keep people coming into your department, the minute they find out they got to walk on eggshells about everything they got to do, it's not that they're up to no good, but nobody wants to walk on eggshells. We're already hyper vigilant. Our stress levels up here. Uh, even though we don't realize it while we're on the job. And now I got to worry about, you know, human nature, my human nature. I got to worry about that. My human nature is to talk shit. The next time the sergeant calls off my pursuit, you know, like it, what, what the fuck's he calling my pursuit off for? The guy just ran from the cops. You don't run from the cops if you didn't do something wrong. Yeah. It, it, you know what I mean? So um, now luckily I'm in a department that still, you know, we still chase. We don't chase like we used to. I will admit that, but we still can chase. You just got to give your sergeant all the right verbiage. You know, they just run on a traffic stop reason. I guess that not enough to chase, but whatever. I, I don't get me. Don't get me going on the chase policy. Shit it pisses me off. You shouldn't run from the police. If you run hold from on, the police. Hold on one second. Hey, Eli. <clears throat> hey, go throw that pizza in the oven.
Start that pizza, Eli. What do you mean? How do I do it? Put it in the oven. Press the on. Oven, the, <laughs> the oven's on, <laughs> and it's preheated to 400 degrees. I need you to go put the pizza in. I'm not editing Wait, this out. <laughs> the pizza Keep. is in. It's out. You just got to pick it up and put it on the rack. Don't burn yourself. Yeah. Nope. Put it right on the rack. All right. It's a DiGiorno. You know how to do you not know do the timer? Okay. Give me 30 seconds. Sorry. Oh, you good. I'm going to teach you how to do it. <laughs> All right. So um, we were talking about chase policies and shit like that. But um, what I really want to do, sir, is we, we talked about who you are, where you're from kind of your background, why you got into law enforcement, you have military background, things like that. And then we also talked about your, you know, you did two agencies and now your specialty is street crimes in general. Um, what I want to kind of discuss is for you guys, what is street crimes? Is it still, are you subject to call or are you guys investigating um, crime trends, specific things that, you know, violent crimes? What is it? So I'm on a unit called Community Orienting Policing Oriented. Let me try that again. <laughs> Community Oriented Policing Squad. That sounds a lot better than Crime Suppression Team, right? Anti-crime unit. Um, it's the same thing, but because we go once a month or once every couple months, we'll go to community events and take Facebook photos. It's a government grant, so. This this whole nine people, two supervisors, uh, per per rotation, um, is all federally funded. Um, uh, so, uh, they provide three years. So that's what I do now. Um, we don't take calls for service. We can help out on hot calls. I'm guilty of it. So is my squad. I can't just let an in progress crime go on when I'm close. I can't. Yeah. Nor should you. Yeah. Um, I don't care if it's a retail theft of like shoes at Goodwill. You know, if I can stop a crime or at least get the patrol guy an arrest, because I hated that being on patrol. I still hate it now. Like you go and you try so hard your whole shift to catch this guy. And then the guys to the next day catch him based yeah. off of all. And it just sucks. It, it, overall, that's how it has to happen. And especially if you're a detective, you're not going to get that instant gratification all the time. You do all the legwork. And then somebody's like, Hey, I got them. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's all I care about, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we do essentially just, um, sometimes we'll, one guy will work one thing, you know, I got guys in my unit trying to go to, uh, trying to go different places. So that's what they work narcotics. They work. we got, uh, guys interested in, um, uh, robbery guys interested in gangs, you know? Um, so we will, they'll pick up what they pick up. Um, their own little cases when they cross train with these units, they'll come back with, Hey, I got a house and, and we'll work as a team to help this guy achieve his warrant, um, his ticket on the house or, or if we don't have anything, we'll just go out there and just start uh wolf packing. Um, and I'm a firm believer in, and I, I shouldn't be calling patrol to do anything. If I'm working with a, with a couple guys, you know, we should be able to handle our own unless I need like a Spanish speaker and we don't have one or something like that. But I try, I try to be there for patrol, but I do not like to create extra work for patrol. Cause those guys are out there working. Yes. Yes. So me as a future Sergeant, like I'm, um, I got, I got a small taste. I was actually put in a position that was supposed to be my permanent position when I promote. 
They're like, hey, we know you're already on our side of town. We're going to put you in this position. Nobody's putting in for it anyway. So we're going to put you there early, and then it'll be yours when the time comes. So I got about a month and a half, almost two months of patrol time in as a sergeant. And while I'm doing that, I'm trying to, like, go back into patrol mine. You know, I, here I am. Um, I, I'm a wolf hunter. You know, we're constantly hunting. Uh, that's what my unit did. Um, and it, it's nonstop. So it's in me. Like, I can't help it. I get out there and I'm digging. Well, here I am as a sergeant and I'm like, okay, the one thing I remember the most is sergeants that would dig shit up and then pass it off. Here you go. I got this for you, patrol guys. And I hated that. I hated that. Because you de- you got none of the fun, now you got all the work. Yeah. And and you're dumping that shit off on your patrol guys. So here I am going back, and I'm like, I am not going to do that. But that is a hard instinct to fight when you're driving down the street, and you see a paper tag go by, and you're like, the, the radar is going off. You're like, that guy... Yeah. It's hard to explain to people oh, that don't Texas do this. Temp tags. Oh my god. They're yes. Everywhere. They're not even yes. real. No, no. <laughs> I can tell They're you all right over now, Florida. Nine out of ten of the, the temp tags where I'm at in my neighborhood are not real. So knowing that and then being out there and I'm like, I feel and this is something, you know, people out there, future supervisors, all this stuff. You feel like you're not doing your job because you're not actively going after people you're not catching people but and you'll appreciate this from your military time you have to remember somebody's got to step back and help handle the bigger picture because when you're the patrol guy and your knees deep in the shit you're not thinking about that you're thinking about right here right now and if you as a supervisor for my sergeant future sergeants out there if you catch yourself you're like no i want to show i want to lead from the front i want to show them lead by example you can't fucking do that because you're yeah. going to get tied up and shit's going to hit the fan and they're going to need you for that. And the, the ivory tower is going to need you for that. And here you are wrapped up on a bullshit burglary of a vehicle. And because you couldn't let it go, uh, that yeah. you promoted out of that. That's not you anymore. You don't I get had, to do that. I had to have a conversation with a, a corporal one time. He was newly promoted. Oh, great dude. Uh, he was a go-getter. And he stopped this car. But at the end of shift... At the oh, end you shift. motherfucker. <laughs> and he found all, I mean, we're talking dope. He didn't find any guns, but warrants, dope. Uh, and the biggest thing was a bunch of fucking IDs and credit cards. Oh, no. He found all that at the end of shift. All those victims. And then he, <laughs> he yeah. And then he, uh, and then he goes, all right, here you go, man. And I, I was like, oh. I was like, I know you're new and I know you did not mean this, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I go home on time. And the next time you catch it, you clean it. The next time you do this, I'm not going to be here. And he was like, and then I, I talked to him. I was a little stern. It was covered in some comedy and humor, but he knew. And the next day he was like, hey, dude, I, I kind of realized I fucked you on that. Sorry, dude. Yeah. And, uh, the but, light bulb goes off because yeah. you don't think about it. You're in wolf hunter mode. You're like, fuck, I got him. And then you don't think about the end. Mm-hmm. I get it. And I'm, I, I can be sympathetic with that. And that is why, like you did, you gave him a one. You gave him that one out. All right, this is your one. Like, dude, but I let my guys know now ahead of time, like, hey, like, now this team I'm about to go to. Um, and uh, I, I already know I'm going to be going to this team, and that's going to be my team, and it's probably going to be who I'm with for at least the next year. And that's one of the first things I will tell them. Hey, 
here's my expectations, and here's my expectations of myself for y'all. And one of those is I'm not going to dump work on y'all, and I'm not going to find work for you. Your job is to find the work. My job is to help guide you and give you the tools you need to handle those what you get. I had my time. Now, if I can be super 63, uh, which is backup, I don't know what you guys call your backup, guys. Ours is a 63. Hey, send me a 63. Um, if, I, if I can be a super backup guy, cool. Whatever it is, I'm there. But um, my time to do that stuff is is, is, is sailed. I, I promoted out of that. So, yeah. Um, but, man, that is one of the biggest faults of, of corporal supervisors and, and stuff is digging up shit for your guys to do. What? Um, now, if you got a lazy team and you're trying to send a message, like, if you guys don't want to go out here and be proactive, I'll be proactive for you. Now, I get yeah. that. That's a good argument. I'm okay with that. But there had to be a lot of steps up to that. Like, I'll give you opportunities to get proactive whatever it is, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a proactive mindset cop. I don't like the idea. It's tough to be a cop these days. We can't do real police work. All you need to do is handle calls, just handle calls. You won't get any trouble that way. Fuck that. Signed up to catch bad guys. You go catch bad guys. Yeah. You motivate me. You need to start off your briefings like that. Right. Uh, Cause there's (laughs) the times I get, you know, I'll get stuck in that mindset. You know, it's, it's hard not to, but there's cops out there. My brother's one of them. Um, they, you, they just won't take no for an answer. They're going to be a fucking cop until they retire, no matter how the politics, no matter how much trouble they get you. And those guys are motivating. Um, and it's really motivating. It only takes me listening to somebody like, fuck yeah, my dick's hard yeah. now. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get out yeah. there. You know, yes. I, I, I walked in here like all negative and now I'm like, hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll tell my guys, hey, listen, my job is to make sure I'm the shield for you. I'm telling you to go out and be a proactive cop. So it's my job to protect you. I can't let you get hit by going out and doing your job. So trust me when I tell you, I've got your back. I am going to put the work in to make sure nothing falls on you for doing what's right. And that's so important. That is so important because I was going to bring this up. Um, you know, the, the the best line I've ever heard from supervisor is if you're doing if you're if your heart's in the right place, I got you. Yep. You know, if you make a, a mistake, that's dumb. You might have to eat some hours, but overall, I got you. Um, have a fucking not you, but supervisors need to have yep. a fucking backbone. Um, if I didn't violate policy and I didn't violate anybody's rights, I don't want to hear anything. When yep. the lieutenant's like, I didn't really like the way uh, Deputy Tyler uh, give a fuck what you took liked. that guy down to the ground as sergeant. You know, so and so, sergeant so and so should be going. Okay, well, we don't care what you like, LT. Yeah. We, What's did policy violate, say? What? Because Tyler's got 18 different things on his mind right now on a patrol shift. Everybody does, or of a street crime, whatever. You're a cop. You got. You're so scatterbrained in your car. You've learned to compartmentalize and control things, almost like your cases on your desk. Um, I don't have time in my head to be stressing. Not that I would, but stressing about the LT not liking my takedown. Um, yeah. I didn't. I did nothing wrong. Now you can't hate them for it. LTs are little mini politicians in the making. They need things to to show that they can burn cops overall. And I'm being cynical. I'm just kidding. But they're <laughs> essentially they're they're little mini politicians in the making. Um, and so it stops with the sergeant. He's the last of the workers. He's the last of the yeah. grunts. And that's why the union they don't like LTs enough. The union's there for the sergeant and below because we're the workers. We're out there, you know. So. I think it's really important 
for supervisors to have their guys backs. And again, not condone anything, not even condone mistakes because some mistakes, you know, not that you have to burn this, this deputy or this cop at the stake, but you know, if he made a mistake, he needs to know and know and be honest, say, Hey man, this ain't personal. You're going to catch eight hours for this. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I'm not mad at you, you know, and I'm, and trust me, I've done a lot to keep, other things from coming down because they wanted more. I'm still here for you. It's just this. I can't really, but if there's no policy violations, yeah, uh, I'm not going to talk to that cop about it. LT, you can talk to me about it and yep. it ends at me. Yeah. I I've got a unique benefit that I was an Academy instructor for three years. Oh, okay. Um, so in that, um, when it comes to use of force, because usually that is the most controversial thing. That is the thing that gets officers hemmed up a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned through my experience is a lot of these lieutenants or higher, some sergeants, they don't fucking understand or know the use of force. They don't know any of the training. We had one that was like, my guy hit somebody with a closed fist. I know that that we're not allowed to do that. I'm like, what fucking world are you living in? Yeah. I, I just, where, where does that, where does it say that anywhere? Like I literally just told a class of 60, if you're going to hit somebody, knock the screaming Eagle shit out of them. Like, do you think they're doing that with an open hand? Yeah. <laughs> no one and done. That's what we want. Like if you can finish it with one hit, that's fucking perfect. Now yeah. what we do recommend is you don't use a closed fist on a grounded subject because us as cops, we suck at aiming and we tend to hit the ground and we get a lot of broken fists that way. That's about the only thing we tell them about punching somebody. Yeah, but no, I mean, you absolutely can hit somebody with a closed fist. Um, and that's no offense to departments that don't allow that, but this is Texas. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Florida, I'm I mean, sure they don't have a problem with it either. You no, know, because it's all about the way you, and again, another good supervisor is going to sit down with that cop that's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And he's going to go, we're going to write this out together, bud, me and you. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, can you... Uh, can you tell me in your heart of hearts that you did the right thing? Like, yeah. All right. Well then let's go through and articulate this emotion because right now um, the way he got out of his car and started walking at you with his hands up and you cold clocked him, you know, all right, we need to be able to explain this, you know, Mm -hmm. his stance when he got out, his eyes peering directly into yours, you know, his aggressive demeanor, rapid approach at you, you know, um, it were his hands up like this where were that you know uh, especially that's where i do agree the body cams can come into right yeah. because yeah i i will tell you i'm a, i'm a i was an early adopter i i had bought my own body camera from amazon like the security like, guards like a chinese like <laughs> 30 dollar guy um audio was terrible the video was like 1 megapixel like but i had one and i loved it i liked having it i liked knowing that cuz i knew i was doing the right thing I just didn't want to go and have somebody make some false claim against me. And that's just how I looked at it. I was like, I, you know, I, I know I'm doing the right thing and I want to be able to protect myself against some false claim. So, um, anyway, uh, I just had an example, um, talking about one body cam and two sitting down and being able to shed a little perspective with, with an officer who was getting hemmed up for what he did. And I had nothing to do with it, but he was getting hemmed up. He went hands-on with a taser. And that is a no-go for us. Like, when you go, if you're going to go hands-on, you you mm-hmm. holster up and you go hands-on. Um, you Like, you don't want to go wrestling around with a gun any more than you want to go wrestling yeah. around with a taser in your hand. And and I, I don't disagree with that. But 
there is shit that happens yeah. that you you can't account for. Now, here is what happened. They show up. It's a mentally disturbed person. She spits on him after they had talked for probably a minute or two. Like, they're trying to calm her down. They got the rubber gloves on. Like, they have their guns aren't out. Nothing's out. She spits on one of them. Then the taser comes out. So now I got one trying to talk. One's covering with a taser. More officers show up. We're next to a busy roadway where the speed limit's about 40 to 50 miles an hour. Okay. Um, where there's a fence between them and this the sidewalk. So you've got a very short window. You've got road, busy road, cars zooming by, and then you've got a fence. Nowhere to go. They decide they're going to have to go hands-on. They go hands-on. It's three or four officers, and this one officer that had taser, he had less lethal cover, he goes hands-on, and he couldn't, he didn't think to articulate. I think he knew why, and this is why it takes a supervisor to sit in and say, hey, let's go through this together. I see you had your taser in your hand. What do you, What can you tell me about that? Well, I know we're not supposed to do that. Okay, so why is your taser in your hand? Well, I, at the time, it seemed right. I was like, well, let me tell you what I see. And this, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I do see you're right next to a busy roadway. And if your boy's loose grip of this sweaty, out-of-control woman... Where is she going to go? The roadway's right there. Somebody could get knocked into that. So if it were me, I would like to have my taser ready just in case we lose grip and she gets spun out into the road. Which anybody that knows, if you fight with a squirrely, sweaty person, guy, girl, that can be a nightmare. And I'm in charge of their safety as well as other officer safety. So I had my taser in my hand just in case I had to tase them. Okay. You violated what geos say, but... You gave a good reason for it. Now, yes, you still might get your, your hand slapped, but now we got good articulation of why you did what you did versus that's a direct geo violation. You're fucked. Yeah, most, you know what I mean? most policies at the end of the policy are, are somewhere in that said uh, pretty much say unless there's weird circumstances, right? right. So, and uh, policy, I've heard somebody once tell me, and I was like, holy shit, you know, policies are guidelines. Policies are to guide you to do the right thing. That's why they're called general orders, not specific orders. So um, you can literally think of any policy to where you can think of a scenario where you would not do that and you'd be okay because you can articulate, you know, again, they can have a field day with you because you did violate policy. It it depends on who's reviewing it and deciding your fate, whether or not they're a real cop at heart or whether or not they were out there on the streets, you know, because some of these, I'm telling you, man, I'll lose my shit. (laughs) <laughs> if an admin guy comes up to me and it really would just be a lieutenant or down uh talking about some shit they saw on body cam and how it looked so violent like yo 20 years ago y'all were kicking skulls into the pavement and we're <laughs> paying for your sins now so don't give me that shit like i'm out here doing the right thing all the time and you're trying to jam me up but i know what you were doing 20 years ago and people out here have told me how bad you were 20 years yeah. ago so don't even Yep. There's mistake of the heart and mistake of the mind. That yeah. that was the way somebody put it to me before. Uh, you either have malicious intent or your heart was in the right place and you just fucked up. And that mistake that's, of the heart we can good. work with. But mistake yeah. of the brain, you know, like when you maliciously went after something, you know, got revenge. I saw a video I posted not too long ago of they got a guy in the back of the car. He had assaulted a cop, but he's cuffed and he's having some sort of, whether he's faking it or not, I, I couldn't tell you, but... 
having some sort of overheat exhaustion in coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. Gelitis. And then uh, uh, a corporal, I think it was a corporal, comes over and just either kicked him or punched him. It was hard to tell from the angle. Mm. Cuffed. And I'm like, no, fuck you. Like, you don't get to do that shit. Like, your opportunity is during the arrest. Mm. Like, if he's resisting during the, you know, that that's it. But once they're cuffed, the game's over. But yeah. Too bad, so sad. I know. I, I, it's not that I don't get it. Trust yeah. me, I get it, but now you got to figure out a way to 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 get your revenge, so to speak, through the justice system. Yeah, yeah, it's you know? more of an honor thing. You know, you wouldn't uh, two men, uh, you wouldn't punch a handcuff guy if you were just two men fighting, right? It's a, right. That's, that's not an honorable thing to do. So, I mean, even the fact that let's look at a position of authority, position of all this, and we we take the high road. We're cops. We. We have to take it. We don't get to right. play by their rules. We're you held all to a that away. standard. You take all that away. You're still punching another handcuffed man. He can't defend himself. Like, you know, that's yeah. A, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying play it like the movies, uncuff them and take your shit off and say, <laughs> let's go. But damn, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to get in trouble either way. You might as well at least say, well, I uncuffed him and I took all my stuff off and said, I don't have a badge yeah, on you, right now. You, you go out like a G. You know, hey, yeah, he got yeah. fired, but that was pretty good. He got dope. fired, but yeah, it was good. <laughs> you know, he could live with himself. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> but uh, I don't condone that, by the way. I'm just saying. Uh, I think that, but it is G and I would, I would love to watch it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, I'd love to see. I actually, there is a cop that does it. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see a, that video? That was a couple years ago, and I, I think he got he got jammed up pretty hard. That was the first time I ever seen anything. But it was a, I want to say it was an eighteen year old kid, and mm-hmm. mom. He was trying to talk to mom, and this kid was just being a, and he and he, yeah, he ended up, uh, yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> I'm like, you watched End of Watch one too many yeah. times. Well, buddy. that or that dude's just been in the in the shit too long you know yeah. you can't work certain if a, if an area you're gonna you're gonna become a product of your environment and i've watched cops i watched their academy photo and then four years later the person they became and it's like damn dog you need to get out of the ghetto because yeah. you know you're, <laughs> right you're yeah. talking them different now and you're, yep. you're cynical even their car their car looks different <laughs> so um, yeah hey all right I we I don't want to get too far off track, and I know we've been we've been talking almost two hours already. But um, I want to get into what caused you to start the podcast and and things of that, and what the the good, the bad, and the future is for the podcast. Yeah, so the podcast kind of started because I got a big ass mouth. Um, uh, I'm a union guy. I believe no uh, that cops need to know. Uh, we need police. In general, it's not, I mean, first responders, yeah, but more police need to stand up for themselves because they will be bulldozed. Um, admin politicians, you know, the street cop needs to unify and say, we're not doing this, or at least give a fight. Give a fight because, you know, so the podcast was started, man, I keep trying to remember my mindset back then. Um, <laughs> it was going to be a hobby, but I knew it was something I, I really wanted to do for years. Um, the goals are, um, a lot like yours, the goals are to spread awareness on mental health, uh, uh, unify, uh, first responders in, um, 
in a way that we can all get together and tackle issues together, uh, promote small businesses run by first responders and veterans. And the last one is to, yeah. to, to bridge the gap between the community and first responders. That's a big yeah. thing because uh, in a real way, not this social media, uh, we went out and passed out backpacks, took some pictures, right. and left. Here we are, petting puppies. Yeah, this is yeah. A, this is real. These are cops, and you can get on and listen to these cops talk. You can get on and engage with these cops. And give me thirty seconds. My son's pizza is beeping, and he's not getting it. <laughs> All right, let me write that time. All right, brother. Um, so we were discussing the uh, the podcast and. Uh, how you got that all started and why, and you were trying to remember what your mindset was. Yeah. When you first started or when yeah. you were going to start it. I don't think it was to make money. Um, I think it was to have a good time. And, you know, like I said, you unify a lot of us, you know, a lot of us have gripes and shit we want to bitch about, but no one ever wants that. Well, we can't talk about that. Yeah, we can. We can absolutely talk about it. as long as you don't, you know, social media policies are very vague. They're very vague at departments. Essentially, um, if you make them look like shit, they're going to jam you up. So, um, you know, I make my own rules to stay off their radar. Um, I don't specifically mention where I work. I don't talk about open cases. I don't use people's names. And the biggest one overall, I don't poke the bear. I leave issues with my department out of my podcast. I, I'll gripe on the road. I'll gripe at union meetings. I'll gripe at anyone who listen at work, but those typically don't get brought up on my podcast. I don't want my agency going this fucker with this podcast, man. He's talking shit. You know, the less yeah. they have after me, the better. How do they, have you talked to anybody higher up? Like I'm actually friends with my chief. Mm. So it, it's kind of beneficial. Um, I, I've asked him and I've asked my number two, like, Hey, cause it, they told me they, they watch. And I'm like, Hey, like, what do you think? Are you okay with what I'm doing? I'm like, I'm, I, I had like when I first started, I literally had had the GOs sitting just off camera, like trying to make sure I don't miss and, and, and fuck up any of that. But the whole idea was community policing in a sense to bridge the gap to, to be able to have my, mine is based on education and perspective and humanizing. That's a three segments of my show. And, um, as you can see, as we've talked, I've like steered it back. Like, okay, we, we kind of went down a rabbit hole, which I love and people love that stuff, but let me swing it back. Like we haven't, we haven't hit on, you know, we talked about specifically what you do. You kind of educate us on what the background of that is, how to get there and all that stuff. But what is another big part of you at your podcast? Okay, cool. Why are you doing it? Like, People need to see that you're an officer that cares enough to bridge that gap with the community that you spent your own money, you spent your own time, and you jumped in to trying to communicate with them, whether it be on a big scale, small scale, whatever it is, and now that's what you're doing. So my my chief has been like, no, dude, I love it. I want to be on. So one day he's going to be on here. And the day that he's on... I don't know that I'm going to ever, I don't think I'll hide where I work anymore. Oh, it's easy to find out. No. Very easy to find out. But if my chief comes on and he's publicly says he supports the show, then I mean, what's the point? I don't have to say shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had our union uh, president on um, and we talked about, and I thought, you know, Hey man, should I go break bread with admin over this podcast and kind of lay out what they expect me to do with it and what I let them know I'm not going to fly off at the mouth and say something stupid. Let them, let them rest easy knowing I know what I'm doing. And he goes, 
I mean, you can do that if you want to, but you don't owe them shit. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a union guy. He's like, you know, um, and in fact, the union now is going to create a podcast. And they're like, we want you to spearhead it. You know, we got all kinds of money. We'll buy all the equipment and we want to do a once a month uh, podcast or once every couple of weeks podcast where he because he's like, essentially, we're typing out all these emails. No one's reading them. No one cares. And he's like, he did his research and found that um, private industries like the flight industry, they use podcasts to relay information to their employees. Yep. Now, granted, they have hundreds of thousands of employees. So the, the their listener base could just be the podcast in itself. They don't need anybody else. Yeah. But like that's the best way to get information to people is to podcast because they love to listen to it. So if you sprinkle in some spice, yep. you know, like what my podcast essentially is a lot of crazy <laughs> antics, cynical behavior, you know, all kinds of stuff. But the deep core is true meaning. And uh we'll talk about like, you know, real topics that need to be discussed, but are kind of dry. Yeah. So if you try to start with that, people might not, you know, they want yeah. the, the Raz, you know, they yeah. want like the entertainment. And if you can deep underlayer mental health in that or, yeah. you know, important subjects like uh, masculinity, you know, we've talked about all kinds of things, you know, um, you can slide them in there and people are already listening. It's kind of like sliding your dog's medicine in his food. You want yeah. that food. Yeah. Hiding yeah. some cheese, right? <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's one of the reasons I'm kind of excited to do your show, is I, I get to I get to show a different side of me that I don't do on my podcast because mm-hmm. it, it does it has a format it's got a, a way that it goes. Um, I mean, this is how I talk. I'm I'm not faking. Like my personality is my personality. It's what I am. It's part of the reason why I let swearing. That's why I I, I fucking do the whiskey on the show. So, oh yeah, let's give a shout out to Smoke Wagon, who I'm desperately trying to get to sponsor the show because it's my favorite brand. Uh, so I'm drinking a little Smoke Wagon Blenders Select, sir. <laughs> I love their bottles. So <laughs> I'm desperately like, there's two major things about my show that I don't have sponsors for donuts and whiskey. And they, they're synonymous with the show. <laughs> so I, I like to have both on here, but, um, no, I'm excited to do your show. Just one because you're you're grittier. You have a gritty side that I have, but it doesn't come out on this because the grittiness is from you. That's who I need it to come from. I, I'm just a facilitator, if that makes yeah. sense. No, yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, so I, I try to when I get chances to to showcase it, I will. You know, we got to talking about you know what a supervisor's role is, and I think I'm very. I'm very passionate about that because I think that the supervisor, is, the sergeant, is the most critical role in the department, and I also think it's the softest fucking place right now at any department. Oh God, you just nailed it. Both those two statements right there—they need to be a viral clip. So true. Let me write that time down. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, um, and that's that's my my like, biggest issue right now is you get all these people they want to be a supervisor but they just want to ride the coattails of being a supervisor. They don't want to be a supervisor. Yeah. It's like taking your backbone and replacing it with jelly. Yeah. You need it. It is your backbone. It's the most essential occupation. It's the most essential job at any agency. And you're putting in fucking yes men and anybody, you know, uh, one of the things I've always said is, you know, um, and and this has been told to me, that's why I say it, but um, people should be saying, Hey man, you should promote. 
rather than you saying, I want to promote because it's, it, if you were trying to promote very rarely, is it somebody that's like, I want to make change. I want to do this. It's usually because of selfish reasons. Um, and and which will make you not a good leader. Yeah. If, if people are coming to you going, bro, you'd be a good supervisor, man. You'd be a good leader. And you're like, I don't know, man. And you just keep hearing it. That is going to be a badass supervisor. Cause that person doesn't care if they lose their stripes. Mm -hmm. I, I, people think I'm weird for this. I've said, I want to be a chief. And the reason I want to be a chief is because I want to be a sergeant chief. Mm. If that makes sense. I want to be a sergeant chief. Yeah, your city would fire you immediately. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's scary, though, being a chief because you're at, you're at you know, if, if the city council don't like you, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's Sheriff's scary. a different story. Elected yeah. official. <laughs> and I'm kind of hoping, this is, this is full disclosure, I'm kind of hoping, rather than this podcast screwing me, and, and, and not really letting me get any higher than maybe a captain. Um, it helps me elevate later on down the line to, I say later on down the line, I'm fucking 40. So <laughs> down the line ain't that far away. <laughs> um, I'm hoping down the line that it helps me get into a sheriff spot. It helps me get into a chief spot somewhere. Because yeah. if I get a city that's like, we know all about you. You've got 200, you know, I'm, I'm at like. Half our agency listens to you. Yeah. Yeah, I got like 150 people listen to me. Despite your terrible sense of humor, despite your, you know, your podcast and all that stuff, we like you. We like who you are. We want you. Like, to me, that's that's the tits right there. Well, that's well, what you want. Look at it this way. Uh, in, in 10 years, maybe when that's going to imagine how much you can grow. And, you know, what if you do? uh have a big platform like a significant platform that we both don't have right now you know how cool would that be for the uh, for the publicity sake for all the for all the because your money a lot of people lose elections because they just can't afford it and the money all goes to campaigning well can you imagine if you had a platform with all your socials huge uh your podcast on all audio and youtube and it's just like you know it's free it's yeah it's free Grassroots, baby. <laughs> Grassroots. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you what, Florida, if you listen to me, I would not mind being a sheriff out there either. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys got badass sheriffs out there. Yeah. Grady. Grady is a shit. Some of them I think are are a little bit more cameramen than they are uh cops. But I, I, I prefer as long as you back your guys. I prefer that more than the uh than the uh uh pandering uh you know fucking share woke go broke no gotta go out there <laughs> bro, i'm telling you because i've seen it there's sheriffs out here that walk around in high heels and rainbow things and to what pander. well they pander to every community there's sheriffs out here that wear giant sombrero hats on like cinco de mayo and things like hispanic uh 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 holidays where they you know the yeah. cultural holidays you know i've seen sheriffs here in central florida walk around with giant sombreros as a white dude and I'm like, I don't, this isn't Halloween, man. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, you gotta, some people might look at that and go, who the fuck is this guy? Like right. pandering to us. Let us have our thing. Yeah. You go be sheriff enforce the law. We don't need you coming out here on our parades. Yeah. Me. Yeah. 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 I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs> Cause I'll give myself. Yeah, all I did. All I did was say, I've seen it here. But, yeah. I've seen get, it pretty close to where I work. <laughs> uh, I get going down that rebel hole. I'll I'll say something that'll get me in trouble. So yeah. and 
I've been yeah. drinking with you well by myself. I, I quit drinking whiskey like or uh, liquor like three years ago. So I'm, I'm, oh yeah, yeah. I I I'd stick to beer. Um, I don't know what it is, man. I liquor. I called it truth serum because I felt when I drank liquor, everybody had to hear my opinion all the time. And I was, if I was just telling you something that you didn't like to hear, then you're just a big old baby. But in all reality, I was being an asshole. I'm just a jerk when I drink. So, okay. Um, I stick with beer. I, you know, you know, beer, you're going to get full before you get drunk. Like you can off liquor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'm a, I do, I like my craft beers and stuff like that, but, um, I, I switched. I basically stopped drinking all that make you fat beer and try to switch to the less caloric whiskey that's yeah, smart <laughs> but um all right let's get back to your uh your podcast um and and what have you so far because i i guarantee and let me think of how i'm gonna word this i guarantee i'm gonna say it just straight out i guarantee what you expected and what has become of it since then has surprised you and changed like what you thought was going to go down didn't, but what did go down is even better than you expected. And the reason I think that is because you're still doing it and you're getting bigger and you're getting better at it. So what, what did you, what did you anticipate to what is, what is going on now? Ah, man, it's, it's like, again, it's hard to go back and remember my mindset, but I do remember one thing that my research before I started one is someone said, if you're going to start it, uh, you need to, to keep it going. Uh, because they're like, the thing I was reading said that, you know, a huge majority of podcasts don't make it past episode seven, just because, um, you think, and this is just business one one. I started an apparel line too, uh, a couple of years ago. You think, someone everyone's going to be into your stuff no one's into your shit no one cares it is not anything against you but no one gives a flying fuck about what you're bringing to the table it's a long grind to get people interested and that's what it was so i kind of knew that right off the bat i wasn't going to be some wildly successful podcaster but i did know that i had a lot of friends throughout my life i have a lot of friends i have a lot of people that support me and a lot of people, you know, uh, that would listen to a podcast. And that was my first core group was my friends and family. And we're, I'm talking like in the hundreds of people that I keep in touch with. And they and they just started it. And it just kind of grew from there to where and then I was able to. Uh, and, you know, I didn't really realize the things I was saying bared a lot of weight. But they do, apparently. And a lot of people can uh, uh, relate to it in a way and i'm just the only one that's retarded enough to say it uh on 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 a podcast but you know um whatever i can do to help you know if i got fired for for being a right fighter and i didn't do anything wrong i can live with myself it's like you said i can i can i can look myself in the mirror and go you know what i was bringing and maybe that would help boost it even more Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you'll be a you'll be a more uh, a martyr. A, a martyr. <laughs> you'll be a mortar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's good. So yeah, I, I don't really worry too much about it. Um, like I said, I, I make sure I don't say anything stupid. Uh, I do realize that. Um, 
you would you sign up to be a government employee you know from the military on you know we both knew you can't just go say whatever the hell you want you yeah. lose that right yeah. and i respect that but i'm also um when my agency is on social media more than i am and they'll use my bright shining face for clicks i'm you can rest assured i'm going to use social media as well yeah to be scared yep and well that, that's kind of one of the reasons i started doing what i did um not to uh to throw education out there but i needed to use the gi bill and i went for my master's degree and part of going for my master's degree was a thesis and i used my thesis as basically the catalyst to start my podcast mm. um i was saying that us as police underutilize social media and when we do use it, we use it for this propaganda. What do we do? Here we are shooting basketball with a minority kid in the street, and there's three fucking camera angles and all this shit. Okay. Here we are. It's, uh, you know, um, save a puppy Thursdays, and we're out petting puppies at the local shelter. Okay. Who are you winning over? You're not winning over the people that don't like you. So yeah. you're winning over the people that are already liking you. Yeah. That ain't doing anything. You're staying relevant. Yeah. In their well, eyes, into your supporters' eyes. Right. What are you doing to fight crime with it? What are you doing to win over the people that don't like you? That's who you should care about. You shouldn't yeah. say, well, if they don't like us, well, fuck them. We can't do that. Yeah. You're a cop. If I was yeah. a sheriff and I had 55,000 followers from my county, the first thing I'd do is I'd put up, you know, like uh, Brady, what's his name? Grady. Grady Judd. Yeah. Well, he does. I want, and now he kind of, he kind of brags about catching people, which is fine too, but I'd be a sheriff and I'd get on there and I'd say, I want this man dead or alive. This guy did this heinous crime to the people of my County. I want him now. And that's how I would use it. A sheriff getting up there saying like, Hey, this is serious. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, so one of the things that we started doing was we, now I'm going to date myself a little bit. Groups were new to Facebook. Okay. So making private groups. So I was like, maybe we could use and make a private group for our beat for our area. So it was, you know, the patrol officers. And then we have what these, they're called NPOs. And what an NPO is is a neighborhood patrol officer. And they're the liaison between the community and the patrol officers. Yeah. Um, cool. So I got with my NPO and I said, hey, dude, why don't we create like a beat group and then we'll use that. And then like if we have bolos or anything like that, we can update our citizens like, hey, beat, watch out for this guy. He's breaking into cars in the area, da, 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 da. Or vice versa. They can give us information on the fly. Hey, there's a guy pulling handles in the streets or whatever. And I was like, that's that's how we do this. And And we did. We started using it. Well, this NPO, he gets information from a citizen live time, like real time. Like, hey, these kids are going around pulling handles right now. And I say kids because everybody's a kid, you know, for what I do. And then um, so he posts these pictures. Well, there's an attorney in the area that goes, you can't do that. That's against the law. These are juveniles. You shouldn't be posting their picture. Now, I will tell you, I didn't know they were juveniles. When I saw these pictures, they could have been 16. They could have been 25. They looked in that range. So we're just trying to help prevent crime using social media. Well, somebody, that dude complained, that attorney complained. And then the chief at the time that we had was like, nope, no more social media, period. You're not using it. Mm. Well, that caused the citizens in that area because they liked what we were doing to throw a fit. 
and they held a town hall meeting and called the media and made the chief come. And this like 80 something year old lady stands up and she goes, if I'm on social media, you need to be on social media and they need to be on social media. And I was like, you know what? She's fucking right. And that was what stemmed it for me. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, The podcast wasn't the idea, but when I did my thesis shit, that was what I was setting out to prove is like, all right, social media is definitely an underutilized tool, but what's the problem? Red tape, liability, no training, all this shit. Right. So that's the route that I took with it. And then a few years later, listening to Joe Rogan and he's trying to pitch to another comedian, like, Oh, you should have a podcast. You'd be perfect for it. You have a niche, use your niche. And then it, that's when the light bulb went off. I was like, fuck, I got a niche. I'm law enforcement and I know my shit. I'm big into use of force. I'm big into jujitsu. I'm big into military. I'm big in all of these things that we don't hear about and could be completely utilized through a podcast. And that is how we reach people. That's how we educate. That's how we start bridging this gap. And that's where it triggered for me, man, is, is that is how I wanted to utilize social media. And just like you said, they're going to use it. Why shouldn't we be using it? And as long as you're not putting your department in a bad light, because really that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. That's all they care about. Yeah. Don't make us look bad. So I'm not going to mention the department. I'm not going to say any of that shit. But at the same time, at the end of the day, now if I get hemmed up at work and somebody tries to go against me and say that I'm not, that I'm biased against this or I'm racist against that or whatever, I've spent 30 grand of my own money for the last two and a half years to show I'm trying to bridge a gap between me and the people that I serve. What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Can you say that? No. Nope. They'll try and say, you know, I've been told, you know, don't, uh, don't talk about it because it shows a propensity towards it. If you were to shoot somebody and have to go to court, we're talking about it, but yeah, just talking about subject. Listen, dude, if you got to silence me that much, I need to walk away from the job. If I can't even talk about the problems in the career field or issues that cops go through, or I joke about how, you know, uh, some, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make a joke about um, something that's really inappropriate. That's going to offend an entire community. I'm also not going to touch certain topics with a 10 foot pole um, just because of how uh, politically polarizing they are or um you know like you know whether how how someone died was it where they were choked or was it a drug overdose right if it's that polarizing you know what we all have our opinion on it it's that it's that polarizing to where everybody's been talking about it forever my little podcast it's not worth it's not worth touching that uh right um but i will talk about is you know how street cops treated unfair uh how Veterans and first responders really need to look out for their own mental health because no one else is looking out for you. It's not, it's not anybody's wants anything bad to happen to you, but your buddy's got their own mental health going on. They got their own marriages that are falling apart. So you got to look out for yourself first. And like you said, circle all the way back to the beginning of the episode, you know, you, you feel this commitment to your crew, which is great. It's a great quality to have. It really is. And that's why you are in the position that you're in and you're in the career fair that you're in. But you need to look out for yourself. Yep. Um, That's exactly, I mean, that is a, this, okay. So this is kind of what stems off the topic that I was trying to bring up with you about doing the podcast is I have my value that I saw in myself all surrounded being a cop. 
I didn't do this to set out to do any to get any money, anything like that. I just wanted to help. Then this takes off, and I'm blowing up. And and I'm not Joe Rogan blowing up or anything like that, but you know, going from a a, a few thousand people um, sharing your shit to your reach is now in the you know I'm at like fifty million as far as reach goes. I mean that's we're talking fake points, but it's fake social media points. I'm at fifty million reach. That's fucking crazy to me. Yeah, I mean and, if it pay, if it paid it, it it's. It's really good numbers. It just sucks, like you said, because it, it right. if you're trying to monetize that, you can't. But right, it, and it at well, least... now people are reaching out to me. Hey, I want to do this. You know, like what's that going to cost me? Well, shit, I'm a cop. I and I'm trying to I'm trying to put a number on something that I didn't intend to put a number on. Yeah. And now here I am. I'm to the point now where I see the potential of what I want to do. I see where my limitations are, which is definitely my wallet. I see how much I've invested into what I'm doing already, which is I've already divulged is about 30 grand over the last two and a half years. And have I profited off any of that? Fuck no. So, but what would I like to do to expand the show? I'd like to be able to go to people because I don't like doing this. Like what you and I are doing. This is great. This is a, this is a cool way to reach out and talk to people, but I'd rather be in front of you. Mm. Yeah. Those Uh, are the best. Yeah. I would rather be in front of you because we can't, I can't interrupt you. I got to wait. I, I, It's a timing issue. I got to kind of wait to see when I think you're going to stop talking so I can yep. say something. I got to write down on a piece of paper that I keep next to me, you know, like questions that I'm thinking of because I can't, I can't stop the flow because then when we talk over each other on a internet, it doesn't sound right. So mm-hmm. it's true that it, it, it's now I'm trying to, now I am, I am trying to monetize. I am trying to make money to expand what I do because I'm seeing the value in it. I've seen I've had people email me and this is this is back to my main point. What did you set out to do versus what are the surprises that happen to you? Uh, I've had guys come on here and have legit PTSD moments talking about their shooting. I've had people talk about getting on medication, and then a, a cop in Washington, the state reached out to me, and then a cop in Washington, D.C., we're talking across the entire nation, had reached out to me and said, hey, I watched this episode. It helped me realize that it's time for me to get on medication. Or I watched this episode, and I showed it in roll call, and it helped out. You know, I showed 10 minutes of one of your one of your shows, and I had never anticipated that. I My entire point was to help the community understand us. And I was hoping the community would call me and say, Hey, this is what you helped me understand. It's, it's not that it's not that that hasn't happened. Yeah. But hearing peers call out and say that we've helped, that was huge. And yeah, that it, is one of the biggest surprises I've had. And it's almost like, okay, now the mission's changed because yes. I'm, not, I'm not going to, can, not going to continue my community bridge uh mission but i'm also not going to leave uh my peers and my brethren uh hanging to dry because it wasn't you you realize like this is what i want this is what i'm really good at yes really so let's make them together and then that's how how you brand and it takes time to brand anything you know it just takes time when you start something no matter if it's a t-shirt line a podcast uh a, a company anything branding usually uh, is way different a year down the road, five years down the road, because you you have an idea, but you have to 
it's just a business plan, you know, essentially, and, and it's on the fly yeah. and, you know, you're not going to piss away opportunities, but you're also not going to, um, uh, give up on your main, your main goal. Yeah. I think the battle for us as cops, if we're going to be honest with ourselves is we feel guilty if we make money trying to do this. I don't. <laughs> you don't. I feel no guilt. But I think that initially that for me, that that was the big that was a big yeah. dilemma for me cuz I didn't intend that. I didn't think it I I just I had an idea and I was like, let's run with this. And then finally somebody pointed out to me like, "Look, dude, you've you've spent this amount of money." You're, you're spending 40 to 60 hours a week doing something that you're not getting anything back for. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're trying to do this. Now you've built this following. You've got this, these numbers. You're telling me that you don't think that that's, that you're worth anything. Is that what you're saying? I was like, well, no, I'm not saying that. And, and he's like, all right. He's like, well, now look, here is what the general market spends for the numbers that you're presenting. He's like, we can say if you had a name like Panasonic, this is the numbers. This is how much you'd be getting for those same numbers. And then if you're somebody that's a small town business that nobody knows about, but you got those numbers, here's those. So let's meet in the average. Where do you rank yourself at in that? And I was like, Oh fuck, man, I never even thought of it that way. So, you know, it, it took having some friends outside of the, the, the police world to point out to me and help me out. Help yeah. me do that, and so and as a cop too, you uh, you're you're always um, when you pick this profession, you do it because you you want to have a career a career of significance. You want to um, you know, uh, make an impact on people's lives. So if you left police work tomorrow, you can't just have a regular job. It's not the thrill. It's not the excitement. It's a sense of purpose. Um. Now, however, if this blew up and you were able to retire at, at the at the good retirement age or even maybe even a little earlier because this is doing so well, you can walk away because now your new sense of purpose is uh your new sense of purpose is this podcast because you're providing you're providing a service essentially. It's just yeah. in the in, yeah. the in it's in the airwaves. Yeah. yeah. And 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 you tell me what you think of this. One of the things that I've had been considering is let's say I do really well monetarily doing this podcast to the point where I could say I could walk away from law enforcement. Do I lose my legitimacy? Mm. I don't think so. Um, because um, you can't be a cop forever. No one could. True. Really, and all, the legitimacy thing too is, I mean, Look at people that use their background and their reputation reputation for the main selling point of their their product or service. Um, sometimes they were only that thing for a short period of time, and then they kind of dialed it down. You know. Yep. So you know, like for I hear it. Yeah. I, yeah. When like, they talk, I'm like, "You're full of shit." Yeah. You ain't been in that. You ain't been no. in, the, in the shit in like ten years. You know. Which yes. Is fine. And I'm okay with, but I am okay with I. I as long as at one point you were doing it, what not you in particular, but just anything that anybody ever claims to be like, I'm not going to be a street cop my whole career. I just can't, I can't handle it. You know? Um, so if I'm working at the courthouse and 15 years waiting on my retirement, 
and I'm still podcasting and I'm known as a street cop, everybody else can get over it in the way I look at it. But, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go to the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Being cynical. Yeah. It, 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 it's, you know, without, we'll do this on your podcast, but one of the things I have noticed is some of these people, and, and not to throw shade on people out there trying to hustle and, and do podcasting and because you enjoy it and all that stuff, but you're throwing out a persona that guys like me that's been in the street, like I was patrol 10 years, finally switched over to be an academy instructor, but then went right back into being, you know, what I do now, you know, what I like to call a meat eater. Uh, I hear the way you talk. I don't know that you ever really did anything in the street. And you're portraying like you were, you're out there, and that yeah. is a, that's a problem for me. That's but, uh, that's, that's Adam from Police Post. What? <laughs> what? Oh man, my bad. <laughs> Who is Adam? Adam from Police Post? I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's a guy. Um, he, Police Post is an Instagram page with half a million followers. Um, they like to uh comment on every single uh hot call like shooting and give uh what they would have done better. Uh, oh, they're Monday morning quarterback. This yeah, shit? they essentially shit on the cop who is in a situation that no person will ever be in in their life. Uh, this cop never thought, and, and I'm talking to every cop that's in a, an active shooter scenario. No cop ever, th- dude, that's never going to happen to me until it does. And you're judged on your actions. And none of these cops did anything cowardice. None of these cops did anything wrong. But you got these guys out here that sell services that go what's monday morning quarterback this cop that just saved lives uh for being out of breath when he was sprinting you know 500 yards or a thousand yards in 40 pounds worth of gear in an outdoor mall to get to this guy because he has to listen for the shots oh i know exactly what call you're talking about i was like man my boy is going he's doing what he can and those and those those guys at police post had the nutsack to sit there and start uh giving this guy shit about being overweight or out of shape or something like that. And fuck them. Yeah. So, well, oh. turns out, turns out, turns out, uh, somebody got so sick of this guy's shit that they did a background check on where he came from. Oh, he was, beautiful. He was a fish and wildlife agriculture cop for seven years. Did <laughs> no not offense. Have, well, I'm just saying what he yeah. talks. It's like you said, if, that, if that's your thing, don't come out here and own a company that's uh, survival active shooter BJJ, uh, you know, shooter company. Yeah. And don't talk shit. Cause also he jumps on my comment sections and started, you know, demeaning me. And I'm like, really? Who, who is this guy? Oh. oh, yeah. I saved screenshots. So, anyway, somebody, um, somebody got sick of it and requested a background check on him. And this investigator, did everything he's supposed to do when somebody asked and provided it. And there was a bunch of questions. One of them was, you know, he's never, he's never been in a use of force a day in his life. He's never uh, done anything. Beautiful. And, he's out, and he's out here acting like he's, you know, God's gift to the street. Oh, that's beautiful. So and I might, beautiful. I might have a project with that once we're done with old Robert. I was getting ready to say, I've got a suggestion, <laughs> sir. I, I like to do on my show. I think I kind of talked to you on the phone about this. Um, I like to do body cam breakdowns um, where we pretend we're the officer in the call and, and, and kind of walk through as like where the officers taking the call. And, and it's fun. It like kind of shows people the mindset of an officer and how we get to the end result and 
Um, a lot of times we have the same goal in mind, but we have find different paths to get there. And it, it it's not wrong, um, but it's just different. And, and that's the beauty of police work. And that's why, for the most part, we feel like we're our own boss. Um, I like to do that and not Monday morning quarterback. Rather, we're showing what we would do while the call is developing. We don't know what's going to happen. It's not a, a video we've seen. But what I would like to do, based on what you just told me, is I'd like to watch some of these videos that this person is um, judging. And before I know anything about what this guy has said, we'll sit down and we'll discuss the video. Okay, this is what I see. This is what I would do. And then we hear what he says. Mm-hmm. And then we we critique based yeah. on people that do the job and do it, you know, yeah, I, what I would consider normally. Because uh, I, I, I love my fish and wildlife. Don't get me wrong. Y'all do out there doing a mission that needs to be done. I, I grew up in Michigan. Um, hunting and fishing is like you go through hunter safety course at school. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a thing in Michigan, you know. Yeah, let's uh, let's set it up because I've got a plethora of people that would gladly provide me with anything I need. Hell yeah. And we'll do uh, that shit live. That'll okay. be fun. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you can drink your sissy beer. I'll drink whiskey like a man. <laughs> and um, you know, we'll do it that <laughs> we'll do it that way. Let's do it. But uh you got anything else that we haven't brought up yet, sir? We're about two and a half hours in. So um two minutes. You just give me two minutes. My son can't cut his own pizza, apparently. Oh, that's all right. Just tell him to fold it up like a big ass taco. I'll, Take what he I'll can. All right, I got it. <laughs> um sorry. It's like the no. fourth time. Um, oh, no worries. Uh, would you just ask anything I wanted to plug? Yeah, and well, just is there anything that we haven't hit that you that you wanted to get across? No, man. Um, this is probably the longest podcast I've ever done. To be honest with you, uh, no, not that's what most people tell me. <laughs> well, actually, my podcast, my last podcast on my own podcast was was about two twenty eight. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Well, this is in this is what I I. It's organic. Some of my podcasts are an hour, hour and a half. Some of them are three. I don't go past three. That's my new rule. I don't go yeah. past three. But um, if it's a good conversation, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, because you don't want to. You don't want to stop it too no. early. Um, yeah. Flow, especially if it flow flow is what keeps the listener listening. Um, yeah. You are now. You are providing. Uh, you. It is a business. You know. You can't just. You can't just put out a crappy product, you know. Right. So, yeah. Uh, if the conversation flows, it is what it is, and uh, um, yeah. And, and I think it goes to more of the validity of the type of police officers that we are. That we, like I said, we're meat eaters. We we hunt people for a living, and we go after criminals. We're not ashamed to say that we aren't. We're not. I'm not out there to just handle calls. I'm out there to prevent. And catch bad guys. Like, that is what I'm out there to do. Um, my role has changed, and it is changing, but it's not going to stop me from helping my guys do that. And you're out there actively doing exactly what I just left. So I think that's our, that's why our conversation goes so well, is the point that I'm getting to is yeah. we're feeding off of that. So and it, and it goes to anybody that's good at reading people, sees the 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 genuine personalities behind that and that's why they'll be into a two and a half hour long conversation yep niche down niche down baby yeah so well i appreciate you being on brother and uh right before we cut this off just stick around for a second afterwards and we'll we'll chat but i do appreciate you being on man yeah rob o'neill didn't kill osama bin laden
Okay. And where can people, <laughs> where can people find you at? Uh, the anti-hero podcast. We're on uh, Instagram, TikTok. We just got on Twitter. Um, we're X. on YouTube. Yeah. X. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're on YouTube and we're about to get on rumble. So we're pretty much anywhere. Just look for that iconic skull. You can't. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, hit us up, man. We answer all of our DMs, all of our questions, and uh, any requests. That's what I'm talking about. All right, brother. I appreciate appreciate you being on. Take it easy. I hate you, man. Bye.